If you interview with somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about, you don't want to work there. Welcome to episode number 181 of Grumpy Old Benz for Friday, July 30th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where you come for the homicides. And if you don't get killed, you stay for the property crime. And from America's left coast, where traffic laws are now optional, I'm Ryan Bemrose. Wait, wait well, if there's no police, traffic laws are always optional, right? Uh, no, I'm I'm referring to and I definitely mentioned this before, but uh, it it suddenly hit the mainstream as people in this state are starting to realize that HB 1054, the new Democratic uh, past sponsored total yeah, um, anti cop legislation has finally gone into effect that that Inslee signed two months ago. And uh, among other things, it uh, let's see, it says. Uh, law enforcement cannot pursue a vehicle unless there is probable cause that someone in the vehicle is believed to have committed or is committing violent or sex offense, or if there is reasonable suspicion that the person is driving under the influence, among other reasons. Um, this is, uh, well, that was, that was from, uh, our, our news station paraphrasing, but, uh, the reason that this is a story is because it did just go into effect. There's a bunch of restrictions on police now. There's a lot of stories about what does this do to policing. Uh, it seems pretty universal that crime is going to go up. And yesterday morning, within earshot of me, within three miles of where I'm sitting right now, uh, there was a, quote, vehicle driving erratically who refused to stop, got on the off ramp of the freeway traveled the wrong way for two miles and ended up in a head on collision. And the cops said, well, we weren't allowed to pursue because of the new law. And it sounds accurate. If the, (laughs) what you said was the new law, then, Hey, this is your new normal folks. This is the new normal. So, yeah, um, a lot of police departments are changing policy with regards to this. Uh, you know, the, the policy in- includes things like, uh, you know, uh, uh, police departments saying that we're no longer going to respond to a mental health call unless you can prove someone is in danger. Because, uh, among other things, if somebody is having a, quote, mental health crisis, the cops are no longer allowed to restrain them. Um the cops are no longer allowed to pursue a suspect leaving the scene of the crime unless they have probable cause, which usually means did the cop watch the crime happen? That's good. Then you can pursue, but otherwise, and uh, the cops are also uh, allowed to defend themselves. If a suspect pulls a gun, a knife, a weapon, whatever, but quote only as a last resort. So if somebody's charging at you with the knife or, or pulling a gun on you, The cops are legally required to attempt de-escalation techniques to try to talk them down before they are allowed to shoot back. Yeah, this is not going to go well. (laughs) This is not going to go well. And I would say that the people enacting these laws 
are too stupid to know what the end result is going to be, but I believe they actually know what the end result is going to be. I, I, I don't give that much credit to the Washington legislature, but I understand where you're going with this. It's what they Uh, want. The system has to collapse in order for the white supremacist, horrible racist constitution to go away. The only way for that to happen is for the country to collapse. And these people that are putting these kind of laws into effect want the system to collapse. That is the only explanation. This is not anything to do with the color of somebody's skin. This is just not. This is about crime and allowing it to run rampant. Well, ironically, other than the uh, the preface where, of course, they point out the the disadvantaged communities or whatever, um, there's really not much in this law about race. It's really just about cops are not allowed to enforce crime. Uh, well, <laughs> enforce uh, law enforcement. Uh, uh, you know, they are kind know, of I'm enforcing go, crime they're, is they're what you're enforcing saying. Crime. Yeah. yeah. Um, another quote I pulled said, uh, officers responding to domestic violence calls to tell everyone on the scene to stay put or can tell everyone on the scene to stay put because police are investigating a crime. If a suspect then flees, the officers could arrest that person for obstruction. So we're not allowed to arrest or even detain people for domestic violence anymore. But if you are investigating a crime and you tell them to stay put, it's obstruction, which is an amazing end run. This is actually recommended by the people who wrote the the law they said well you know you can't you can't detain them and you can't unless if they're fleeing well you know what obstruction is it's a made-up crime that basically says you're not you're not capitulating to the cop enough you're not uh you know submitting to the cop's authority and therefore we're just going to arrest you for contempt of cop it's well there are certain levels of that and there are some that are crap and there are some that you're like well yeah that makes sense i mean somebody's like you know using an obstruction charge because you're not allowed to detain somebody for domestic violence is it it is a perversion of what whatever we would normally consider a law um the one of the articles that i pulled out of this uh local um called out the uh a lot of explanation and uh, excuses uh, which deferred to quote the lead drafters of the law. And I didn't take the time to look up who did this, but it was a bunch of idiot socialists from Seattle. I'll tell you that much. Um, Isn't that anyway, all that's in office there. <laughs> that is. Yes. Well, the problem is if this was just Seattle, that's easy. I can avoid Seattle. It was, this was in Olympia where it applies to the entire state, including the same half East of the mountains uh, who are, a lot of people are like, there's sheriffs going, um, we can't do anything here because the state just completely screwed us. So good luck with that whole, you know, drug running and everything you got going on. Anyway, uh, they're, they, the most biased article I read deferred a great deal to uh, explanations about uh, the, you know, the lead drafter saying, well, you know, we didn't intend for this to happen. We didn't, you, you know, you should be okay if you do this. And actually in this scenario, it's probably okay. And the thing that bugged me the most about it is that that's not what's in the law that they wrote. That's not how laws work. Laws do not work where you'd go back to the lawmaker and say, what did you mean? Laws work by what did you write down? And if you are stupid enough to write down cops can't enforce crime, then that's what's there. And no amount of clarification on a news story afterward. These, this is why I think that lawmakers in Washington state are moronic is 
even well, if they if they didn't understand all of the unintended consequences of this law and are now trying to desperately give interviews saying, well, we actually meant it to be this. and We actually meant it to be that. That's not how laws work. No, no. And if that was the case, then rewrite the laws fairly quickly. The yeah. the law is what it is in paper get, now. Get God Emperor Jay fucking Inslee to unsign the damn thing. Well, and this is nothing that's new when it comes to laws being passed on any level that you get what's actually in the text and then you get what the politicians say when talking to the media. And they're quite often not the same thing, you know, or the politicians just don't understand it because they're not really the ones writing this. I think it's a very rare politician that's writing the law it's being outsourced to third parties who have tons of different agendas and they put it in front of these idiots and they're like okay well this is what it's gonna do yeah okay or or the you know, what was the story i brought on monday where the the washington it wasn't even somebody offered boilerplate and the legislature said okay i'll put my name on it it was the the law that was passed was uh literally written down in the code of the law said uh, we're going to defer to California's laws and just enforce those. So, so California can change theirs and suddenly uh, Washington changes theirs too. That, yeah. Um, this is very interesting that just popped up in the troll room from Bemlet, who has had problems where he lives with, uh, some people trying to break into his, his rural house. There's a lot of trees out here. So well, yes. uh, and, and really, those, really poor sight lines from neighbors. For those that are new to the show, that would be your brother, Tony, who, uh, Who's been on the show? It's it's Bemlet in the troll room. <laughs> yes. Said he got a notification from ADT, the uh, the alarm company, that they will no longer contact the police unless at least two sensors for the alarm system have been triggered. Or if they get a hold of me and I state that I was the eyewitness. So um, this kind of makes alarm systems a whole lot less useful. It does. And I mean, alarm systems are only so useful to begin with. But, yeah, you have to believe that that is the case. I mean, my guess this came from there's a lot of cases where the police are called because one alarm's triggered and it's a faulty sensor or something. So they want more proof. But that also oh, leads yeah, they have, to. They have, uh, I mean, they have lots of that, but uh, that that's what the police have done for years. So, anyway. well, yeah, but know, now that system, property crime isn't going to be actually. Uh, well, prosecuted yeah. well the cops are like we're not showing up for this because it's not going to be prosecuted even if we catch the person in the act taking your crap out of your house the well, da is going to go ah eh, who cares and and, and bemlet lives in a county which is marginally more sane than the than the counties where i am and where seattle is um the I, the prosecutor in i don't know the prosecutor in kitsap county and phone boy might know more and bemlet might know more no, phone boys in Pierce County with Tacoma. He's screwed. Um, but the, the prosecutor there might actually be, uh, trying to prosecute crimes. But one of the beautiful things about making it an entire state law is that all of the rural parts where they have sane people who still believe that crimes are bad, uh, are, are now it's out of the prosecutor's hands. It's the cops are, are literally not allowed to arrest people. So the it's, the state law, but the state law shouldn't usurp the city law, should they? <laughs> I mean, funny. it's just like the federal laws can't usurp a lot of the state laws, and that's why there are things that are different in states. But I mean, this just adds to more confusion overall. 
Um, I, I don't recall exactly how that works, but I think the Washington state constitution has something in it that says whenever there's a state law and a local law, the state law has primacy. It's kind of the opposite of the 10th amendment. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense because socialism, it's a beautiful thing. Crime. We want it. They want more property crime. The cops are only going to respond if somebody's actually doing you physical harm. And I think we talked about that at one point. Like, so so if somebody breaks into your house and, uh, and you shoot them, you're going to be prosecuted unless they physically attacked you first. So if somebody walks into your house, well, breaks into your house, you know, smashes a window, comes smashing through your front door, you're sitting there at your kitchen table and they're just like, hi, I'm just here to rob you, not going to physically assault you. Then you can't do anything about it because. Uh, well, fortunately, Castle Doctrine State, I, I, you, I mean, technically under what you just described no they they can do whatever they want but it's a castle doctrine state which means you don't need much of an excuse to shoot their ass and so if they do break in in front of you and you shoot them dead you just say i fe- i feared for my life and you're done you would hope i it, i hope i mean it hasn't been tested recently but uh I, it's it's still the law on the books and and that means exactly as much as courts are willing to uh, enforce the laws on the books, I suppose. Sounds like a racist law, though. So we, we should really look into yeah, that. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. I had uh, I had another story I wanted to get out right at the beginning of the show because there's one little thing that, that fascinates me about this. And that is uh, the the are you familiar with a facility called the Tesla Big Battery? No, I know what Tesla is. I know all their cars run on big batteries. Uh is this where they test the and create the Tesla batteries or what is this? This is it's north north of Adelaide, Australia. It is a gigantic uh, power storage facility made up of lithium ion banks of lithium ion batteries. It is attached to the Hornsdale Wind Farm. And the idea is, you know, what what's the big problem with uh, with green energy? It's not always available when you want the energy. So. The solution is you get a wind farm, which generates power when it's blo- when the wind is blowing. And when the wind is not blowing, you store the power and then trickle it out of the battery. So, uh, it, I mean, it helps with the, the, the load shifting on the battery. Well, um, I was not familiar that lithium ion batteries were being used for uh, grid level storage capacity. Um, these things are huge. And the aerial shot that I saw um had hundreds of them but each one is 13 tons and the size of a shipping container that's a big battery that's a big battery and the uh it is called the tesla big battery because tesla is the company who presumably knows all about lithium-ion batteries uh and they are the ones contracted to go create this power reserve farm and they decided that uh they were going to put basically the biggest car battery that you're going to find on earth, except it's not anymore. But um, the other thing that I saw in the screen, in the uh, aerial photo that I looked at in the story was uh, flames and smoke pouring out of one of these. (laughs) Well, once they start too, they're pretty much hard to put out, aren't they? Yes. Um, So interesting details uh, is that um, the, the module that caught fire uh, the reason why I wanted to bring it out at the beginning of the show is because the official uh, time is it caught fire during testing at 10 a.m. on Friday. And the reason that I chuckle over that is because I look over at my clock and it says 9.17 a.m. Friday right now. So I am reporting from the future. There are different time zones. You're aware, right? 
I'm I'm just ignoring that fact for the moment for rhetorical purposes. Uh, but uh, this module caught fire during testing less than 24 hours after this particular module went online. Oh, uh, so um, there was a toxic smoke warning issued for all residents. You are supposed to stay inside your house. Uh, uh, but I mean, South, South Australia is locked down. I don't think they've been allowed out of their house in, in a year, but, uh, you know, close, board up your windows, uh, put plastic over things, keep your pets inside. Don't breathe air, you know, the, the, the usual, cause when these things burn, it's not just wood smoke that you're getting in your lungs. It's, it's worse than that. Well, yeah, that happens a lot. Well, not a lot, but enough around here. I've seen where trains derail that have bad things in them. And they're like, well, yeah, we had to take, you know, three miles around the accident and evacuate because of the fumes that were being sent out by whatever was in that, uh, that train car that accidentally just came off the rails and, uh, and maybe leaking bad things into the air. So yeah, I can only imagine that, uh, all of this green energy stuff so far, not so green when you really look at what comes out of it. I'm just saying it's not as well tested as it could. And I, I got called out for, uh, for saying that electric cars weren't ready last Monday. And I, I mean, I, I it mean, depends to, what you mean by ready. They, they exist and they're fun and they're great little toys and they, yeah. uh, and I love the torque. Yeah. I, I big fan of that. But the reality is, uh, a majority for most electric car owners. When they take that vehicle and put it into, they plug it in to recharge it. It's coming from coal fired plants, which not really green. No, no, it's not. I mean, you know, it's, it might be hydro. It might be, it would be nice if it was nuclear. Yeah. I don't think that's happening in anywhere outside of France. But. Making the batteries not so green with the materials yeah, the, that they need. I, I, the, the batteries are starting to really scare me. And, and yeah, yes, uh, electric cars absolutely are. I mean, they're a thing. They're out on the road. Uh, but what they don't have is 50 years of engineering where people figure out what works and what doesn't, what's safe and what isn't. What we have instead is a Silicon Valley app developer going out and generating an insane amount of hype, keeping details secret, not letting anybody understand the technology and certainly not letting, you know, say uh, other companies learn from their mistakes. There's very little information sharing in the industry. and. I'm just still worried that uh, we are we have not seen the end of it. I don't even know if we've seen the end of the beginning it, as more and more. You know, we th- this this particular battery pack, I, I don't know how long this is going to be a story because I don't know how long it's going to take for them to put it out. It's still burning right now, uh, but it's been, what, 20 hours. Um, well, yeah, and you I, would think I, they would have things built in like the server farms do where it's like, hey, we're going to cut off all oxygen to I mean, the things are built. In order to contain such things, obviously, maybe this was not the case there. Well, I mean, there were flames coming out the top. The moment that that's outside, you you need to build a new structure over the fire. <laughs> yes. And you go ask the people at Chernobyl how difficult that is. Yeah. I, yeah. I just I, I'm feeling like this this whole lithium ion technology. We are we seem to be very, very happy. Oh, my gosh, we have rechargeable batteries, but we're all carrying bombs around in our pockets. And then people who buy electric cars are riding around on top of bombs. And and yes, they're usually pretty well controlled but well, the the safety record for lithium ion batteries might be you know 99.999999999% safe 
but that one percent is still scary and i'm just wondering yeah where is this going to end up well let's remember these are the same types of batteries granted size difference but these are the same type of batteries that were in the what was it the samsung's was it the seven that had the problem with the batteries that they immediately said yeah you can't bring these on aircraft so if they thought a cell phone battery might bring an aircraft down when you make this into the size that are in the cars which we yeah, talked about uh, on I the last I don't show think they let you drive your electric vehicle on a, an aircraft either so well no I'm, what i'm saying if that if one of those little batteries could take down an aircraft what do you think that huge trunk uh, size battery in your car might do to you if it goes well we have plenty of evidence of it taking out a freeway <laughs> well see there you go i i i mean it was uh interstate five through seattle which by the way uh the the interesting geography of the region that i'm in is that uh we have a, a large sea a body of water to the west of us and we've got uh, a mountain range to the east of us and there's basically only one road that goes north to south through every city so when that road shuts down the entire region kind of shuts down and it was uh, a couple months ago there was a a car fire where an electric vehicle caught fire and the fire department could not figure out how to put it out and at rush hour they had to shut down the freeway for almost five hours before they finally brought a bulldozer out and just shoved the thing off the road (laughs) and let it burn yeah Bring some, bring some marshmallows and uh, make s'mores. And I, I mean, I, I, eventually we will understand how to deal with these. Eventually we'll, you know, either move past lithium ion or we'll figure out how to make them safe or, or at the very least fire departments will, every engine will start carrying things that, you know, we like magic powder, you sprinkle on and make the stops the chemical reaction immediately. Or so I don't know. Well, I mean, we, you we might, don't know what that is. You might want the cars to be clearly marked on the exterior, whether they're electric or not. Which is well, something they're I mean, really not. I mean, some you can just, understand. just sniff the flames coming out of it. You should figure it out if you get lightheaded. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, you know, but yeah, I, I, I'm my, my point from from Monday stands, which is that uh, the, there are a lot of support systems around these uh, these batteries and these systems. But, you know, it the, the Elon might want for the innovation to end when you slap a battery in a a smartphone and put wheels on it and hey look you know we're doing our part to move the world forward but if you don't also have the time for fire departments to update for technology to update for how to put the fires out and it's this is why i say that the the government mandates to move people to to force the industry to keep moving um are really short-sighted we have the ones trying to mandate hey we need to move to all electric cars within the next five years yeah. it's like it, it electric cars are awesome and they're definitely coming they do i mean uh, even economics are are causing people to say well i want more electric cars and, and you know what being tied to the grid doesn't seem that bad because the grid hasn't gone down recently um not that that's an ominous prediction or anything <laughs> seems but like one I, <laughs> It's happening by economics, but I think it's happening faster because of mandates. And I think the mandates are causing it to happen too fast. But that really is a vital point that I don't think I've ever seen or heard. I mean, not seen covered, haven't heard it covered, which is when the electrical grid goes down. I mean, they just had some major storms throughout the country. And uh, when 
the power goes out for when uh, when the last one happened last uh, year on the East Coast. I remember our buddy Larry was talking about that because he traveled over to the East Coast and the power was out for days. Now, if the power grid's down for days and you have an electric car, <laughs> sucker, if you have a normal car, well, you just need some gas, well, which you can store. So fire up the diesel generator obviously right right yeah <laughs> i mean it's a very intriguing thing to think about so if the power grid goes down for four or five days because of a huge storm in your area and everybody has electric vehicles you really can only go so far before those things uh are, it's going to be a problem yeah but i don't think people remember all the way back to the last time that we had a storm that knocked out a portion of the power grid you mean which like weeks ago or months no ago? no it's always during the winter in fact it's, it's almost always november or december that's when we get our really good storms the one oh, over there in the uh in the left coast well here on the left coast i mean yeah yeah it's uh i'm, I'm just people around here uh, I, I i actually it's not just around here it uh, i think the point you're getting at is is short memories uh of oh well the power grid hasn't gone down in the last week or two so we're probably fine right yeah and I mean, it's a major inconvenience for normal things, but when you're now relying on your vehicle that you may need to get the hell out of an area. I mean, we see what happens in Florida when a hurricane's coming in or in the areas down like in New Orleans where they're like, hey, hurricane's going to be here in uh, 48 hours, evacuate. And you're like, but my my car's not charging. I don't I don't have a charge. I wait. The power's out. What do I? Do? I can't evacuate. Um, not good. Just start walking. Yes, <laughs> but well, I mean, you may want to start running, and and hope somebody picks you up who actually has a gas powered vehicle that yeah. can get you out of the area. It's it's always some redneck coal roller who ends up <laughs> saving the day during the natural disaster, and you're like, ninety nine percent of the time you're an asshole. But right now, I'm kind of happy you're here. Yeah. The ones that have been preparing for this kind of stuff, it's important to understand what could possibly go wrong. And most people, I don't think, in most aspects of their life, whether it's financially you know, or with their health or with the relationship they're in, most people just go upon their day-to-day life with ah, everything is going to be fine and never prepare for anything. And they're the ones that get hit the hardest. When something happens rather than being like, hey, you know, what would what would happen if you know my spouse gets killed? What would happen if they lose their job? What would happen if this, you know, how are we going to pay the mortgage? And most people just are going day to day like, no, it'll be fine. Well, We're holding on. That's great. You know, I don't remember the statistic, but yeah, there there's a lot of people out there like a, a, a significant percentage, maybe more, maybe almost half who are straight up living paycheck to paycheck. If they miss one paycheck, then they are in trouble. If they miss two or three paychecks, they are on the street. Yeah. You need a plan. There's a lot of people like that. You need to know what you're going to which, do, which is why happens. You know, it, the, the solution is start podcasting where you don't even get a paycheck. <laughs> okay, right. It cuts that whole paycheck problem right out. You have better things to worry about then. I mean, like yeah. eating and yes, Hello. I mean, I still need to lose the microphones humming. Right. I mean, I still need to lose a bunch of weight. So it's like, okay, the eating part, not so important. But, um, you know, keeping the air conditioning on when it's 100 degrees, that's important. Keeping the heat on when it's 40 below, that's important. 
I did see that uh, you could buy boxes of ammo for twenty seven ninety nine now at our local place. So, I mean, I may need I may need to go down and invest a little bit. Is that in like twenty seven ninety nine a bullet? No, no, per box. But because uh, because I, I, I think that's about how much it it got to. <laughs> that well, that's what they would like, you know. And then they want to be able to tax you on that. It's like, well, no, the bullet's only uh, fifteen cents. The uh, federal government charge on top of that is the twenty seven dollars and uh, eighty four cents. Or whatever. oh yeah. Yeah, they they really screwed up when they passed that that so many cents per bullet tax when I, they should have made it a percentage. It's like, why got a lot more income now. Yeah. Well, why would people need that many rounds of ammunition? And it's like practice. I mean, do you want them to shoot the wrong thing when it yeah. all comes down? It's like this yeah, is not gun control is being able to hit what you're aiming at. Yes. And not taking a collateral damage. And what you do when you raise the prices on ammo you don't keep anybody safer. You actually endanger more, which again leads you right back down that theory of everything that a liberal politician will do will further make people's lives worse intentionally. So the system can crash. So the world can, uh, the world can change. We need hope. We need change. I wish, I wish we had Barack Obama hope and change back. Cause that seems like I, such a, an we, 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 we kind of do. Oh, no, it's worse. I think. <laughs> I think it's worse. And uh, well, it's because he's gotten worse. Well, Joe is going off the deep end. And I mean, he started off the deep end, but he's he's swimming he's, down. Oh, anyway, he sorry. keeps going further and further and further. But this is uh, as our buddy Carl over from who are these podcasts said about grumpy old bands. Well, he suggested for the concept of the show is where politics and technology can you know, collide. And that really is confused where, where those two things are. Well, they collide and then everybody gets confused. But this article from bleeping computer, I thought was the epitome of that concept because it's talking about all of the cyber attacks that have been going on and what Joe Biden said this week at the national counterterrorism center. And the quote, it was, it's, this is scary to me. I mean, this is beyond just the normal, uh, the normal Biden kind of goofy stuff. But he says, quote, I can't guarantee this. And you're as informed as I am. Well, first of all, when he's talking to a group of people and he's like, so I'm hopelessly confused, wandering into doorknobs. Right. It's like, you know, I can't guarantee this. And you're as informed as I am. But wait, you know, Joe, you're the president. You should be better informed than anybody you're talking to about nearly anything. But that that's just or or at least have access to all of the information that that is is relevant you would hope so position yeah but he says but i think it's more likely we're going to end up and then there's a little dash so we we, just joe trying to get his thoughts again and then he says well if we end up in a war a real shooting war with a major power it's going to be as a consequence of a cyber breach of great consequence Using consequence twice, that didn't work, Joe. It sounds to me like he's planning on starting one, though. Yeah, a real shooting war as a result of a cyber breach. That that scares me on so many different levels because I know I've, I've ranted about this multiple times here and I'm sure other places. All of these cyber attacks, you can guess where they're from and there's a certain amount that you can track back but the people that are good at the cyber attacks know how to cover their tracks 
They know all about misdirection. They know how to make it look if you're a Chinese hacker. Yeah, let's make it look like we're coming from Moscow. That'll be funny. And you remember, you remember the first time, or you know, way, way back when we had a president who was negotiating peace in the Middle East for the first time in forty years. I mean, Donald instead Trump. of threatening other powers to into a shooting war. Yes, those were the days, weren't they? Seems like just seven seven months it ago seems, or so. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it seems like only a year ago that happened. You know, and I don't understand. I mean, I know Joe doesn't understand this. I don't know what the media understands. I don't know what the average politician understands about these cyber attacks. But when you're talking about starting a real shooting war with a major power, Joe's exact words, real shooting war with a major power as a consequence of a cyber breach, I get very, very worried. I don't understand it. Especially because of your point that there's usually no way to be sure who did it. Right. The, the ability of a false to, to execute a false flag on the internet is immense. So now (laughs) some 12 year old in Cambodia, assuming he has an internet connection can probably start world war three. Because yeah, I think cold acid is already working on that. Is he? Well, then could he let us know when this is happening? I need a bunker. I need a big nuclear bunker underneath the bunker we have here already. You know, how far down do you have to go to get uh, to be safe from the nuclear blast that uh, will be occurring? Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Chicago's not the place you want to be <laughs> if a nuclear war is coming, or maybe you do. It depends. You want to get fried immediately. I- or do you want to, you know, spend life underneath in a bunker for weeks, months, years? I mean, you I know, guess I've, it depends who you're stuck with. I, I've con- Chicago is not a great place if you go against uh, an enemy who wants to kill lots of people because there are lots of people there. Um, but you know where the first nukes are going to land. They're not going to hit population centers. They're going to hit military bases. And I'm kind of fucked in that department because <laughs> within 30 miles of here, there is a large army base. There is a uh, two naval bases. There's a, a large air force base. There's uh, one of three major shipyards in the country. <laughs> yeah, you need a. You need to get into a NORAD. You need to get way under a mountain somewhere. And there's plenty of mountains around here, but unfortunately, they're hard to get under. <laughs> start digging. And they're man. volcanic. Start. Di- oh yeah, that's the okay. So you start digging, and then you have a different problem. And, and, is yeah, that you're cooked. <laughs> Wear a heat shield. Yeah, you got to wear the heat shield. And uh, the other thing that it said in this article from Bleeping Computer, quoting, he named Russia and China, Biden, they're talking about, he named Russia and China as the USA's partners and, quote, possibly mortal competitors down the road. So, <laughs> I mean, we're, uh, so we, we have our partners that uh, in, in Russia and China, which I don't think either one of those is a great partner to begin with. But I, I would well, not, think not more, if you're threatening them. Yeah. And then they're possibly the mortal competitors. Yeah, th- Threatening the them with a shooting war is the opposite of partnering. But Joe, you know, he's he's so far now down the rabbit hole with the left. He says that working together on existential threats such as climate change should prevent the U.S. from keeping uh, that. Uh, I'm sorry, that working together on existential st- threats. So I can't speak today, such as climate change should prevent us from keeping a watchful eye on what the ultimate objective of the other team is. I thought we're a one big world, Joe, but this this is still a very scary concept that you're pointing at Russia and China and being like, 
you know, if we get a cyber attack, we might start shooting. That is the worst thing to tell the world as a whole, because now everybody is going to try to commit a cyber attack on the United States and make it look like it came from one of those countries. It just it's the greatest amount of encouragement you could give people, which is I can start World War Three, man. This will be great because people will make a lot of money if the U.S. goes to war with Russia or China. I mean, it'll be really bad for a lot of people, but there's some people will uh, they'll come out of it. okay. I mean, unless the nukes come out and then nobody's really uh, nobody's winning that game. But I'm sure there are some people that would like that. Yeah. Uh, The only winning move is not to play. War game. Still the greatest movie. (laughs) Fantastic movie. About all that kind of stuff that I'm not even that impressed with anything Matthew Broderick's done, but that movie was really good. Yeah. Well, it it was, uh, I think it was more realistic than a lot of people at the time gave it credit for because it was like, yeah, you know, like a computer could just take over things and launch the nuclear codes. And now we're like, holy crap, that's totally what's going to happen. Yeah. I, uh, the technology displayed in the movie has not aged well, but yes. Yeah, but wouldn't you rather have still in every nuclear silo multiple people that two people have to turn a key at the same time to actually make the stuff go off rather than the, oh, a computer says go. And- I think I'd prefer that the nuclear silos were not filled with ICBMs, but unfortunately, <laughs> you don't uninvent those things. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to I mean, just just throw them all into space. Come on. I'm sure if we do it, the well, Chinese that, that's will kind do of it. how they work. The problem is they come back down. <laughs> they, go, they go, they come back. Kind of like billionaires. You know, well, some the billionaires <laughs> they nice. go up, they come back, they explode. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, I've never seen a billionaire explode. People were hoping for that. I maybe maybe what that's what we need. And uh, uh, not that I'm suggesting uh, I, so, I know it was interesting to watch people's reactions. I mean, and, and I get it. Bezos is out of touch with reality. I'm pretty sure that Richard Branson probably is too. But the reactions everybody had to Bezos, especially when he's like, oh, I want to thank all the people that work for Amazon to being a part of this. It's like, and it seems like a lot of people hate him, but a lot of people are getting paid really well to work for him. As I said, I mean, fair disclosure. I have a niece and a nephew who both work for Amazon and don't have any complaints. I'm sure a lot of people do, but, you know, you can choose where you work. It's not like you're forced to yet. And uh, just the amount of hate that the guy gets, uh, I don't know. I I think a lot of that is also because of the fact that he's another uh, schlub who went from, and a lot of people I'm sure don't know this, especially the younger generation. When you look at Amazon, and the behemoth that it is today, it was within our lifetime that he was running a little shop out of his parents' garage selling nothing but books out of Amazon. It started out as a bookstore. That was it. And the fact that it's become wildly popular and wildly successful, I think no matter what you think of Jeff Bezos, he should be pointed to as like, you know, in America, you could do that. You could start out with nothing, literally nothing. And create I'm a business and become quite, really, really, really wealthy. I am quite capable of respecting what somebody has managed to do in the past as some impressive accomplishments and still think that they're a total scumbag in the present. Well, sure. And that's fine. But the system's not broken. You know, the people are. No, <laughs> they did. People are very, very broken these days. Yeah. We are seriously triggering some people in the troll room with all this Biden talk. <laughs> hey, this is where. 
technology and politics collide. And Joe Biden says he's going to start a shooting war over a cyber breach. And it's like not even just a cyber attack. He said the consequence of a cyber breach. So that doesn't even mean. I mean, that just means you get into a system doesn't even mean you do anything nefarious once you're in. If there is a cyber breach of great consequence, according to Joe, a real shooting war going to start. I would like to think that there are sane people around him, but unfortunately, he's surrounded with Democrats, so we might all be screwed. Yeah. Who don't understand the technology to be able to, again, think like you could point and go. Yeah, we were hacked by the Russians. And it's funny because we were really only hacked by the North Koreans and Chinese for years until the Trump thing came around. And that's when Russia, for the mainstream media, became the enemy. And and we're I mean, we're really uh, most of these hacks. I'm still thinking, you know, some of them might be funded by, quote, state actors if they're really, really big ones. But I'm still feeling like, you know, the the first really huge hack that's really sophisticated it might be funded by uh, a state actor like say america because that's where a lot of them are coming from Uh, but then the second one somebody's written a script to do it and some dude in his parents basement in gary indiana might be the one who starts world war three this time yes and i believe that's again goes right back to war games (laughs) you know it was just somebody with a computer i mean of course in the movie he was just trying to play a game and didn't realize it was real. I mean, spoilers, if you haven't seen war games, I mean, if you're listening <laughs> to us, it was like 1985. I know. And if you're listening to us, though, and you haven't seen it, even though it's an ancient movie, watch war games. Yes. You will and you will, it. you will cringe at the technology that's in use and just understand that that is the technology from Darren's in my childhood. Yes. Uh, can you imagine? It would be interesting if they remade war games in the current time. Oh, it would suck. I know it would suck. It would be way too woke. They would bring climate change into it. It would be uh, they, fake. They, there, there would there would be uh, a whole bunch of uh, a multi-culti cast for no reason whatsoever, other than to up the diversity. Uh, they, they 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 would completely ruin it. I have had way too many properties from my childhood completely ruined by Hollywood remakes. And if you don't believe me, go watch a Transformers movie or 12. <laughs> yeah, there are some. And things- by the way, if you ever go back and watch the Transformers cartoons, they were bad. But I was nostalgic for them. You had to come and make something even worse. Modern times and make me show me that. Oh, look, this entire property. Yeah, wasn't worth your time. I can't believe you spent so much of your childhood playing with those stupid toys that they made a cartoon about. <laughs> well, there's good, bad and there's bad, bad. You know, there's uh, watching old Doctor Who episodes where they had no budget and no special effects, I think was good, bad, because it was still good storytelling. And a lot of the new Doctor Who with the multi-million dollar budgets to have some really great special effects who now have nothing but woke, crappy storytelling. I'll go back to the old stuff. The old bad was better than the new. It sounds like you're making an argument against shifting all of your budget away from writers and toward the effects division. Yes. Because I, I mean, the, the notable thing here is I don't really care nearly as much about the quality of the effects as I do about good storytelling. And back when uh, the, the quality of effects was either you, you green screen something or you, you hacked up claymation and that was the, the pinnacle of special effects and you didn't have all CGI everything. 
then the budget had to go to building a good story and hiring people who knew how to act. Exactly. And they just don't prioritize that anymore. Yeah. And I, mean, I heard on uh, No Agenda, Adam Curry talking about the guy that writes the uh, No Agenda novels, writing another one, doing one about the archivist, who, of course, it has to be based off of JCD. But, you know, I'm thinking I need to write a No Agenda or Grumpy Old Ben's novel. Yes, I've already got do. some ideas for characters. And it would have to be, you know, reliant around what, since Joe said, this is what's going to cause the next problem. So I guess this is what we have. It's a great plot. We have a computer attack. We wonder where it's coming from. I mean, this is really kind of war games 2.0, that there's a computer attack. We've had a breach. The president wants to go after and start shooting, but you're racing the clock to prove that no, Uncle Joe, it wasn't really the Chinese or the Russians. It was your crack-addled son in a basement somewhere, Hunter. I mean, this would be perfect for a novel. I think it would be a page-turner. So, as long as we're predicting end of days. Okay, uh, I wasn't wasn't aware. Well, in this case, it's a little bit more local, not quite the end of the entire world. But um, I am really concerned about this move that PayPal made. Uh, and, And I'll admit... One of the reasons that I am really concerned about it is that PayPal is one of the main ways that we get our income and that could be ending. But uh, the the topic that I have in my notes says PayPal is giving your purchase history to a leftist hate group. Does that sound accurate? Um, I've seen the headlines. I have not gotten fully into okay, the, the headline. Doing. There's a, actually there's not a hell of a lot here, but uh, the headline is the Anti-Defamation League has teamed up with PayPal um to get together and quote fight extremism and hate online um i didn't i didn't write down a lot of notes because i was hoping that you'd bring this so i guess we're not covering too much of it but the gist of the article is or the the of what they've done is they are getting together in the adl is going to uh get with paypal and they are going to start applying uh they're going to take the purchase history of Everybody, uh, I don't, it wasn't clear to me whether it was, it was, they're going to analyze the people giving money or the people receiving money or which, but they are going to, I, I, it, what I got out of it is they are going to start, uh, analyzing. In fact, they're, they're planning on, uh, using machine learning. They're going to build an AI to do this, uh, where once the ADL has identified some money recipient of being, evil or hate group or whatever they mean, which, which I think means Republican in this case, because they are very, very slanted. Uh, then once they've identified that they're going to use their AI to identify everybody who has donated or, or sent money to them and is quote financing extremism and hate. And, um, I, I don't know exactly where this is going to land and I don't know what their steps are right now, but this is a large step down a slippery slope of, uh, you know, what, what I do know, PayPal is giving purchase history to a, a leftist hate group. Um, that leftist hate group is going out and happily announcing that they are now, uh, and by the way, the, the main, announcement came from ADL, not from Facebook. Uh, they are happily announcing that they are going to, uh, try to prevent people from, uh, spreading extremist content online. And they're going to do it by cutting off their access to money. And, uh, they also have said that they are going to share what they learn, whatever their AI spits out with law enforcement, the banking industry and policymakers. And, uh, what that line tells me is 
that we are going to see um yeah, if the ADL decides that you are contributing to hate groups, you're not just going to be cut off of PayPal. They're also going to make, try to make you unbanked and then, uh, you know, have you thrown in a gulag or whatever it is, anything that they can get away with at this point. And the direction that the world is going, this feels like PayPal is just handing their entire service over to cancel culture. No. And nothing has happened yet. But they are setting up all of the framework to make this happen. Well, the intriguing thing is I just went over to DuckDuckGo and typed in the term PayPal and went to the news section. And not one article about this is in the first 20 or 25 that comes up. So I don't know how much of a thing this really is or will be. Um, The headlines you're getting on DuckDuckGo, PayPal follows the money in quarter two, moving deeper into BNPL and in-store payments. PayPal comes in light on revenue profit drops from last year. Now, that's an interesting thing. 14 hours ago from CNBC, light on revenue profit drops. The next one down a day ago, PayPal has a new super app coming out to include messaging, which is maybe where this might overlap. If PayPal is going to have a messenger, which I guess just means we're able to send money through paypal so maybe why shouldn't we be able to message our friends and let paypal monitor everything we say i don't know if that's the the case about this new paypal app i have not heard anything about it it's something we'll look into okay um well there there's not much happening other than announcements in fact i just went to that same site and typed in the search terms paypal space adl and the top two results were from adl.org paypal partners with adl to fight extremism and from newsroom.paypalcorp.com, uh, press release PayPal partners with ADL to fight extremism. So nobody except the two people involved have put out anything on this, which is interesting. Well, the first place that levels. I saw it was RT, but I will admit that they're pretty slanted. Yeah, that's Russian uh, times or uh, it's it's actually they believe it or not, they're they're mostly published in America and they are a, uh, a right wing extremist hate rag, if you <laughs> believe the. You know, I mean, it's interesting because it comes down to, well, what do you consider hate groups? What do you can, you know, there's there's a lot of details. Oh, and, and speaking of hate rags, the third result is Washington Times dot com. <laughs> and uh, that says uh, it's all good. PayPal can do whatever they want. Let's target. Uh, I mean, it's interesting that what is considered a hate group. I mean, for instance, if PayPal comes out and goes, well, you know, if you're sending money to the proud boys then we're going to cancel you if you're sending money to antifa though that's great that's perfect we love that that's exactly what i expect yeah it'll be interesting because that if paypal already from uh these headlines even though they're adding new accounts they are dropping in uh in people using the service and i mean i guess it makes sense because i think ebay has moved away from PayPal being the only way people can pay for a lot of stuff. And I kind of figured that that was driving a vast majority. I mean, at least for me personally, besides taking the donations from our experts, using PayPal is not a normal day-to-day thing for me. The only time I had used PayPal besides taking money in for things was buying stuff on eBay. I can't remember doing anything else with PayPal. Well, occasionally sending me money 
Right. Which, which, by the way, PayPal is totally going to interpret as as contributing money to a hate group. Let's <laughs> continue. Right. It is uh, a contribution to a very questionable source. And the way PayPal works is kind of confusing to me because I noticed and I tried something when I sent in the last donation that I did to No Agenda, which was the CSB donation that he sent me the crypto and I sent that in. I instead of going to the no agenda page that has set up that they do, you know, the the thing that you can get to from the newsletter and all that to go to the page for the donation. Rather than doing that, I just sent it directly to the email address associated with that account. And I noticed by doing that, they took no fees. Because it was a more person to person, just like sending money to a friend. When I send you your payouts on the grumpy old Ben's, you know, the, the donations that come in, there's not another cut that then comes out of that. They don't charge you that, again. That's good. Yes. So, okay. Yes. Yeah, so the best thing we can say about them is they're not double dipping. No, but I've noticed that too. There are some people that have sent in donations to the show. And if you go rather than, and it's it's a pain in the ass, but rather than going in to grumpyoldbenz.com, if you click the donate button, they're always going to take their percentage. But if you just send that from the PayPal app and just go to Darren at grumpyoldbenz.com, they don't take anything out of it. So it's a really weird system that not every transaction. That's actually, that's a really useful tip. Yeah, it's a different. I, and I believe that's the case. Now, I don't know if that happens all the time. If they go, wait a minute, something weird's going on here. But uh I guess that's another interesting one to test, like the uh, 33 cent check concept. Well, like I said, this is this has not happened yet. And uh, my I, I recommend I recognize that this is speculation on my part. I think the worst of PayPal, and I think they are going to start shutting people off for political reasons. And I would like to hope that that isn't happening, but I don't have I, I'm, I'm skeptical. Um, none of it's happened yet. I don't think any of this infrastructure is in place, but both organizations have put out the announcement. And I guess where I'm at is, uh, if you happen to do, if you happen to take money or, or have business or do anything that relies on PayPal and doesn't tow the leftist line, it might be time to investigate alternate means of payment. And, uh, I think we're, we're doing all right. We with with the, you know, I love the checks. The checks are probably my favorite way to do it because there's no middleman and there's a physical thing that you can hold in your hand, which is awesome. Even if that physical thing was just sent by a bank. Um, and then the other thing that I know that uh, Dave Jones and Adam Curry are going to be talking about on their podcasting 2.0, which happens to record at exactly the same time as we're recording right now. Hey, hi, Adam. Um, hi, Dave. Is that uh, the streaming Satoshis is an attempt to solve this problem because Adam having been doing no agenda for so long, probably already saw the, Hey, PayPal is going to start cutting people for stupid reasons problem. And, uh, the, the podcast value system is, uh, it, it doesn't use PayPal. No, but of you have at some point, I mean, the, the domino theory, the scary thing is that at some point you need to convert, what you receive in crypto to fiat if you want to use it. I mean, that system eventually will change. 
as more and more stores and places, you know, if you can buy your groceries, I think you said at one point, if I could buy that with the crypto, then you don't have the convert to fiat problem. But as long as you have to convert to fiat before you can buy your groceries, you're always at the mercy of whoever controls that last step, because you could get a billion dollars in crypto. But if you're if you're blacklisted and unable to convert that to fiat, it's an interesting issue. But uh, the the concept for the Satoshis is interesting. It works. There's no question. If you're listening right now on a podcast 2.0 app, boost, boost, show us the boost. Uh, we finally had uh, accumulated quite a bit of Satoshis. And by quite a bit in Satoshis, I mean, it was about one hundred and seventy dollars worth in the uh the podcast uh, the the satoshi stream which is a third party and this is something that is still confusing for a lot of people because this is a system that's being tested understand it's not easy to jump in but the system is working if you go through all of the hoops to get involved and it's 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 growing organically which is is not fast but it is inexorable. And I like that part. Yeah. So I'm like, and, okay. and by the way, if, if you're not hooked up yet, go to newpodcastapps.com and pick up a, a, one of the apps that hooks into the new system, because that is the future of podcasting. Uh, Spotify might think that taking podcasts behind their paywall is the future. No. Apple might think that taking things behind their paywall is the future. No. Uh, Amazon, I think is also taking things private. No. The the future of podcasting, if we have anything to say about it, which in this case I think we do, is open standards and uh podcasting two point is definitely at the head of that podcast yeah. index. Well Amazon has the they do it through Audible and that was the uh the, the woman from uh, Modern Family. She's got uh the, no not Modern Family, uh or yeah, that was the the one who has the show on there. Um you can do that because the paywalls make sense. It brings people in. There's no difference for what they're doing than what Carl and who are these podcasts is doing by having episodes that are only behind the Patreon paywall. Their paywall is just a little bigger, but I mean, it's a valid way to do things. But if you want your podcast to be heard by as many people as you can, then yes, you have a free and open system. And I wanted to see, okay, because the Satoshi's stream guys, I mean, I'm hoping they're going to be there long term. And when it was five bucks, I'm like, I don't really care. I don't need to worry about how do I get that money from you to me. But once it was up, you know, to about 170 bucks, I'm like, okay, how do we get this money out of Satoshi stream into a wallet that I control? And I'm going to the breeze. I I don't know that I've ever heard a podcaster even talk about how to get the money out. Everybody that I've seen seems to be just put the money in and leave it there indefinitely. Well, but you can't do anything with it if it's at Satoshi Stream. I can't even send it to another podcaster from Satoshi Stream. I have to take it out into what I'm using is the Breeze app. And if you want to take the money there, and then when you're listening to other podcasts, you can boost and you can send the Satoshis to them. So I wanted the money from Satoshi Stream, and I went through that system. And it wasn't that hard to do. You just create a invoice from the Breeze app, and you put that into Telegram for the Satoshis.stream. And it took a little while, but then the money showed up in the Breeze app. And I wasn't really sad. It was for, I'm going to round out this stuff, but for about $175 in U.S. dollar value that we took out of Satoshi Stream, it was under a dollar for the fee. After gas fees, it was under a dollar. Oh, yeah. Under a dollar was the fee to move it from one to the other. So I'm like, that's not bad. Okay. That's not awful. No, No. that's 
I, I, I was, I was waiting for like 40% of the value disappeared due to fees or something. Yes, and I was too. Cause I'm like, okay, how bad would this actually be? And it wasn't. Then I'm like, okay, but this is now just sitting in the breeze wallet, which means I can send that to all of our favorite podcasters, like fun fact Friday or bowl after bowl or hog story, whoever else is on the value for value podcasting 2.0 model. But then we still have to pay a fee to convert that to fiat. So I sent about $150 of that or so to my Coinbase wallet. And in that case, it was about $2 and something was the fee. So overall, it wasn't horrible. I mean, the fees are still there, but it I mean, wasn't horrible. Yeah, you're, you're looking at, at one or 2%. That is a reasonable fee. Yes. Also, I mean, that's, that's like uh, uh, credit cards have been operating on three to 5% for a very long time. And uh, the economy seems to weather that pretty well. Now, I don't like giving money to MasterCard, but it happens. Uh, 3%, 2%, that's totally reasonable. You know, uh, the $3 on 150, that's 2%. That's totally fine. It, 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 it's, it's when you start getting into the 20, 30, 40%, you're like, oh, or, or, you know, any, any company that charges 30% just in order to have a transaction is, of course, evil. Yeah, well, that's a little little excessive, and I'm, I'm sure there is also a fee. No, if I'm I talking wanna... about Apple and Google, of course. Well, yeah, they take a third of everything. Now, I'm sure there's another fee if I want to take that from Bitcoin on Coinbase and actually cash that out. I'm sure there'll be a little fee, which is, I mean, that's the problem with crypto. It is the, you know, the paper cut concept, which is everything's just a little, there's a little fee for everything, but compared to what you're paying elsewhere, it's not that bad it's not that much more and we're still early into this and you hopefully they never find a way to turn off your ability to take money with the way they're doing it through podcasting 2.0 because that's all an open system there is nobody to say hey we don't want to take your business because you can run your own node and control everything up until the point you want to convert it to fiat and that is still were you at the mercy of somebody else? But I mean, this is uh, this is some real uh, issues that the the guys at Podcasting 2.0 don't need to deal with. They've done uh, the, the hard work, which is you're able to collect the money. That they, they've done an working. immense amount of work. Yeah, and it's it's working, which is the beauty of that system. And we need more people to jump onto that. There's a lot of people. I I get it that you listen to a lot of podcasts and you never throw those podcasters any value and i get it this is how people are used to listening to the radio you and i grew up listening to the stuff when we were on our way to work commuting whatever everything we listened to magically came through the airwaves and you never had to put money in for that of course yeah, you listen we to also ads. grew up we also grew up reaching forward and hitting the seek button on the radio every time <laughs> they switch to an ad break right that, like okay, let's switch over to find a find a station that's still playing music at this moment. Right, you want to hear that song? And, you want you've been waiting to hear it. You want to hear another ad for? Uh, I never whatever. quite understood why the radio stations, even the competing radio stations, never got together and coordinated like take an ad break all at the same time. Yeah, that would make that would have made more sense. I mean, it's hard with songs because I all- mean. That would be called a cartel and it's technically not legal, but that doesn't seem to stop big tech companies today. Yeah, it would have made a lot more sense because if you could if you could move over to that next station, I mean, of course, we're also very much spoiled living in an area near a major city because there's a lot more radio choices in Chicago 
than there are out in the middle of Iowa somewhere. So, you know, we, we had that. But now you have the beauty of the Internet. You have the ability to pull and stream things from just about anywhere. And this concept, though, still needs people to understand that it's it's a good thing to support the podcasters that you listen to if you want them to keep doing shows. And what the podcasting 2.0 thing does better than any, I think, is make it easy, makes it uh, simple, and you're especially you're only paying per minute. So it's not like people are worried that they're going to forget and a lot of money is going to be out of their wallet. And it's very small amounts. And the small amount thing is also something that we've been trying to get through to people since we started doing the show. And, and it, it's been working now, especially our buddy, uh, which is Jeremy, that's been sending the 33 oh, yes. cents. It's, it's working. The amounts we're getting are very small. <laughs> but if you, know, if you do that daily, like Jeremy's doing, or if you do that uh, you know, on a regular basis, if everybody were to jump in, and do that. If everybody listening right now would be like, okay, you know what? Once a month, my bank's going to cut you a check for five bucks. We'd be in really good shape. I mean, I love the people that come in with much more than that, who want to support the show, who are able to support the show. But if everybody did that and sent in a $5 check for the whole month and for grumpy old Ben's, that's what eight episodes. I mean, so under a buck an episode, we would be in great shape, but it's convincing people to take part in that, which is the last hurdle of the podcasting 2.0 thing, Adam Curry, Dave Jones, and their cast of hundreds of people that are working on this and the people at all the different podcasting hosts and that, that have been working on this. Now they've done the hard work, but they can't make you pay. So it's up to the people that are listening. That's to jump they, don't, in. they don't have the enforcement arm. <laughs> well, you could because you can make it. And that's, I'm assuming will be something that will be coming which is you can only listen to my podcast if you're streaming Satoshi's, if you're not streaming uh, this amount and that's perfectly fine. That's I mean, that's a great the model. model. That's the Spotify model. It is to a certain extent, but that is, I think something that if you do a special episode and you're like, Hey, I want this one to be up and you have to have revenue come in my way for you to hear it. I think that's a valid model. Uh, I as mean, well. you, you just described the Patreon model for a lot of people. Well, it is, but this is just a different way of doing then without the PayPal and Patreon who maybe can turn you off if they don't like your content. This gives you a completely different way to go about it, which is, you know, it's an interesting concept, but it, it, for things that people can otherwise get free, that is the biggest hurdle. It's just like jump in. It doesn't matter if it can only be a couple of bucks a month. That's OK, especially if you go a route where there's no fees taken in the middle. I mean, you can't really send 33 cents on PayPal because they're going to be like, all right, the fee's 32 cents. We'll send them a penny. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's not really worthy. But, uh, you know, you do do your research. There are ways to do it. And if you can support the podcast that you're listening to now and, of course, the podcast you listen to all day long, because the people that put those shows out, they do hard work. I mean, unless Hog Story. I mean, Fletcher does nothing. Carolyn Blaney has been carrying that show for a long time. We should probably get away from crypto before the zealots start coming out. Right, but we're we're praising crypto. Is that it's, we we, have, uh, we can do we're going to get some small technical detail wrong, and somebody's going to come out and they're going to purport to fact check. You're like, how dare you say this? That's you know how much right. I love being fact checked. Yeah, especially uh, <laughs> especially live on the No Agenda stream where we do this show live Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern time. Join us trollroom.io or noagendastream.com. That's the place you want to be to jump in. 
and get into the troll room. If you want to fact check us, that's where you need to be. If if you need to fact check Darren, that's where you need to be. Yeah. If you need to fact check Ryan, you can do that anywhere because people will pass it along. They're always happy. Yeah, I get like I get so many secondhand fact checks. I, I was talking to a phone boy in Jitsi briefly yesterday, and he was so happy to trigger you by saying you need to say Jay Inslee's middle name. Well, I did today, so you're welcome. I know. And the first thing I saw in the troll room from Phone Boy was F-bomb count one. (laughs) I think I've dropped two today. He's a fan. Maybe he missed one. Not that I'm counting. Yeah, but but you're doing better. And I also got got called out on behind the schemes for for ruining people's fun by not swearing. I'm not sure how that works. (laughs) See, maybe those are the folks that want to pay more for the version of the show where we just randomly throw in Bemrose profanities just at random times. You know, I tell you what, hit me up afterward and we'll, I'll just do like 10 minutes of Bemrose swear words. And then you can go get uh, audacity or, or it's uh, maybe an open source audio editor and just sprinkle them into your favorite podcast. Yeah, there you go. This is, this is part of the program and we're happy y'all are listening. We can do another story. You want to jump into the experts and get that out of the way? That works for me. We do have some experts to Uh, thank. And after that, I've got uh, I've only got one more that could be called political from the German federal court. But this is good news. Ooh, good news out of Germany. Hey, you don't hear that quite often, do you? But we do work on the value for value model, which we learned from Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda podcast, where we do these shows. They're not behind a paywall yet. And we put them out there. And if you feel like you got some value out of them, you figure out what kind of value you got you put a number on it the number hopefully means something to you you go to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate and you can do a variety of things you can click the donate button if you want to use the evil paypal which will surely be deeming us a hate group sooner or later but we have that button right now for donate one time or monthly donation through paypal you can use the qr codes or the wallet addresses to go the crypto route or you can use the snail mail p.o box address where you can uh, hand write a check if you want to like our buddy Sergeant Fred always does and put a little handwritten note in, or you can just go to your bank's online bill pay, give them that information and tell them to cut a check one time, monthly, weekly, or even daily, which uh, it it works. The daily thing is extreme and I am still entertained by it. Yes, it is quite entertaining and no doubt about it, but coming in as the main executive producer for today, Iatrogenic, which I'm sure I'm I'm butchering that. Gesundheit. Uh, yes. And uh was obviously listening to the pre-show before today's show, because he said thanks for the NXS. Michael Hutchins died way too young. Takes me back when Kick was released. I tried to buy the Kick CD for weeks. Your podcast is great and helps me make it through my day. Fucking fantastic audio. See, that is what we do here on Grumpy Old Benz is Gratuitous fucking F-bombs. fantastic audio. Right. Both of those things. Yes, uh, you meld those two things together because F-bombs are best delivered with high quality audio. Yes, you want the high quality audio. So that way you could cut them out. You can sample them. You could use them in your own podcast. Yeah, you can use them on your soundboard and play them incessantly over other people. Yeah, that's uh, that's Monday nights and uh, Thursday nights on the Hog Story stream. But uh, we appreciate that. Iatrogenic. We hope you've been enjoying the shows, and that's uh, the fifty-one fifty. That's the Van Halen uh, uh, donation, I think. The fifty-one fifty, as uh, as it, well it could be. That was a Van Halen uh, album, you're, right? You're you're the music guy. Fifty-one fifty coming in at fifty dollars, which is a recurring monthly donation, is 
cold acid, the coldest of acids from the podcast Rare Encounter with Cold Acid and Abel Kirby. I'm finally going to start giving Cold Acid first billing on that. That works. And that that guy is such a great supporter. He really doesn't deserve all the crap that we give him, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop. But see, he knows the more crap we give him, the more people listen to his podcast, rareencounter.net. And so he likes it. You bring people in. They talk about anime. Well, well, first off, they talk about what was on the last Grumpy Old Benz, which we appreciate. And then they talk a little bit. But about only anime. the Monday ones. I mean, they don't pay. Yeah, they should. I mean, they really should talk about Grumpy Old Benz more would be nice. But then Cold Acid would probably suggest. I feel like they need to do a second show each week just so they can talk about the other Grumpy Old Benz episode of the week. Right. Just just a recap. And then he'd want us to uh, he'd want us to send some more money his way. And then uh, see the more they'll fact check us. He's saying it right now. They like to fact check grumpy old Ben's. We like to give them content because I mean, some podcasters aren't good at doing research and coming up with their own topics. So they listen to other podcasts and then they comment upon what that podcaster said. So a lot of times it's like the podcast you're listening to. If you really break down what you're listening to, it's like a Russian nesting doll of podcasts because they're talking like in this case, we talked about something that was on no agenda. So if like rare encounter talks about us talking about what no agenda talked about, no agenda got that somewhere else. It's a great concept. It's it, what, it's kind of like the what the CIA does with the New York Times and Washington Post and USA Today and plant the uh, stories. Actually, I, I actually I regret drawing that parallel. Yeah. Let's yeah. just pretend I didn't do it because now we're going to be black marked. No question. They're coming after us, but we appreciate uh, we, it. We, we were already going to be marked as, as a hate group by the ADL. I know. And uh, there there've been some people asking for us. And one of them was our buddy CSB, you know, put grumpy old Ben's on YouTube and then you get the free transcript, which is true. They will give you a free transcript when you upload yeah, for, for as long as we're not banned from YouTube. Right. And that was, that was the conversation on no agenda social, which was, so how long if grumpy old Ben starts uploading to YouTube, how long before they're banned from YouTube? And I'm, I'm now I'm kind of morbidly curious to find out how many episodes it would take, but we would have to make sure it was on a YouTube account, not attached to anything else that we don't want. Oh yes. Deleted yes. and banned. <laughs> Best advice about YouTube I've, ever heard was from bandrew a couple weeks ago when he said make sure that every single channel you create a new google account yes and we confuse bandrew by using him for the cold opener on the last show (laughs) (laughs) but it was such a great line you you confused me too but that that doesn't take much it was such a great line it was nice to get a mention on bandrew's show even if we were angry old ben's or gentle old ben's was the first i'm like that doesn't work I, I actually clipped out his attempt to remember the name of our show because I thought it was great. I, I feel like it needs to be played during your pre-shows. Yeah, and it, I did at the start of today because it's the uh, it's the perfect marketing thing. It's like nobody can even remember the name of the show. We got to work yeah, on that. Which which is perfect marketing if you have, if ever I've heard it. Yes, and uh, Bandrew. I mean, the ultimate. If you've ever seen any of Bandrew's review videos on YouTube. At the opening of the thing, he shows you the box, what you get in the box, and then he throws the box as hard as he can, which usually goes out of the door of the room behind him. Well, he threw the box on this little $20 cheap ass microphone so hard that he fell off the chair. And it was just, it was genius. The fact that he left it in and owned it. And- I mean, that, that, that sounds like a commentary on a, a complaint that JCD has made where uh, most review videos anymore is just unboxing. 
like if they plug the device in, that's a bonus. But otherwise, it's look how beautiful it was in the cardboard. And, and who cares? I, yeah, I've seen Does a lot work? of those. And it's I, I skip through that because it's like if especially if it's dealing with audio, if it's a microphone or an audio interface, I want to hear it. I mean, I understand it's going to get compressed and garbagedized by going to whatever format YouTube uses. But I want an idea of what it sounds like rather than, you know, showing me a microphone. I don't care. I would rather have a blank screen through the whole thing where I can hear the microphone as opposed to you showing me how pretty the device is. But Andrew, yeah, I don't care uh, how it looks. Yeah. Bandrew does the best reviews on YouTube. No question about I'm, it. I'm, I'm staring at this RE320 in front of me. And frankly, it's kind of ugly, but I don't care. It's recording my voice. That's what it's there for. It is capturing the fidelity and the anger that is brewing down. Deep yeah, inside you. that is kind of a drawback but. Or, or it's the sorrow. Do we need a moment of silence on today's show for Growly? Was that was that the cat that was normally on your lap during these shows? Uh, most of early on, it was almost always growly. Uh, also, when you heard a cat uh, talking in, in the background of the show, that was almost always growly because we have one cat remaining uh, and she does not. Uh, she doesn't talk very much. She doesn't make a lot of meowing noises, at least not into the microphone. But growly was the one who just did not care. He was noisy. <laughs> so like and you. he he passed yesterday. That is a so bummer. we are we are down to one cat. And I actually have a story about that one. I don't know if you want to go to it in the expert segment, um, but uh, my my fatigue and growing dislike with this particular vet hospital peaked yesterday oh. in a uh, uh, they they th- among other things they threatened to call the cops because I wasn't wearing a mask <laughs> while they were murdering my cat. <laughs> wow, wow. Um, okay, um, that's the. Object the objectiveness of people to act rationally is dying. Yeah, I, I got the line. Well, it's hospital policy that if you're in the building, you have to be wearing a mask. I'm like, well, it's a stupid policy. Well, don't you don't have to get personal with me. I said I, I didn't say it was your policy. Or I is said it? that the hospital <laughs> policy is stupid. Yeah, yeah. And then and then they they sent somebody else. I, who was I mean, she was being a hard ass like you have to put this on or, you know, you, you're if you can't do this, we're going to have to ask you to leave the building. And, you know, I, of course, uh, put put it on with the the subtle flip off. And uh, she said, and, and if you can't be respectful, we may have to call the cops. Uh, and <laughs> you're like, I could go murder somebody in the street and they won't prosecute me. What do you really yeah. think's going to yeah. go on here? <laughs> I, I, I may or may not have used the phrase Sig Heil. Oh. Well, see, yeah, that's now we're definitely going to be blacklisted. Um, I'm, see, I'm fine. I'm fine. PayPal's like, this guy seems rational. But then they're like, oh. no, no, you're, you're like I said, you're sending money to hate groups. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a slippery slope, my friends. You have to be very careful. Yeah. So at least, uh, at least you uh, got through that and nobody got arrested. And uh, yeah, rest in, rest in power growly i mean i like the cat had something to say and he wasn't afraid to say it no he was never afraid to say it uh over the last eight months he he definitely got himself attached to my wife and uh this was hard on her um he he, he's been sleeping with her he's been sitting on her desk while she's working downstairs trying to you know rubbing up against the camera while she's on zoom calls (laughs) 
And uh, so it, it, it was rough. Uh, our next stop after the vet was the liquor store. Oh, but, uh, well, is that still legal in Seattle? Liquor stores? Yeah. They're the only reason why people <laughs> haven't risen up. That may be true. That and all the, uh, the marijuana dispensaries. Or do you have? Yes. Well, that's the other reason. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, that is part of it. We we, you can you can take away all of our rights. You can take away our property, but you cannot take away our bread and circuses. That is uh, that is pretty accurate. You are not wrong. You are not wrong. So now, uh, yeah, you'll you need to get another uh, really loud ornery cat so we can have more clips to play off of grumpy old Ben's. Yeah, we have not decided whether or not there's going to be a replacement cat. Uh, I know cats get lonely, and now we only have one. So at this point, we'll see how ornery she gets from from being. Uh, I don't know. They fought, but maybe she'll miss. That. I don't know. I, I I'm not an expert in cat psychology, and and although uh, I I'm really good, I am an expert at talking about things I'm not an expert in. I don't think that's appropriate for this show right now. And we do thank though cold acid and. Iatrogenic for being the executive producers. We also have some other donations that came in. 3333 from Sir Lee Mofo with a note saying, thanks, gents, for quality content and a voice of common sense. Grump on. Is he listening to our show or is this uh, some quality content and the voice of common I, sense? I, I don't I don't care whose show he's listening to. <laughs> if he's donating to our show, that's, I'm a good with it. That's a great concept. Can you listen to a good show, but then just send us money? That's a perfectly fine solution. And we appreciate that, Shirley Mofo. Coming in with a check today, new name, I believe, Harry Pilgrim, 25 bucks. And if you send in a check because your bank is doing the online bill pay thing, there's no place to really put a note. You can always email me, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, at Grumpy Old Benz or Ryan at Grumpy Benz.com. Yes, you can email me and I might check the it this week. I, yeah, well, that's true. Nah, I usually check before the show just to make sure. And now that I've got it set yeah. up to pop up on the phone, then it, then I see you, new you know, One of, one of my favorite things about the, uh, about our expert segment is you before the show, uh, along with the clean feed link, you always send me the list of our, our experts for the day, just till I've got a heads up of what's coming. And about every third show, there's a name on the list somewhere that you hadn't sent me because it came in right before the show or, or during the show or something. Yes. And I, 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 I love those surprises, I guess I'll say. Yeah. And we are not quite at the no agenda level where that would be impossible to keep track of, but Hey, we can spin enough plates here where if it comes in, in that first hour or so, we can, I challenge our experts <laughs> out there to, to flood Darren with so many, that we have to set a cutoff time. Yes. I dare you to send us money. I dare you. Let's see if that works. It's, it's going with the whole, uh, the whole psychology of it. The reverse psychology. Like uh, it's, it's such a pain that how dare you send us money. And then people are like, ha ha, I'll get them. I'll send them money. I'll show them. But thank you, Harry. And then coming in at 20 bucks, this is a recurring donation. The man, the myth, the legend in the troll room. He's known now as Sir Spud the Mighty. But he used to be known as Radix023 coming in with 20 bucks. And we appreciate your support of the grumpiest podcast in the universe. Coming in with five bucks, our buddy truck driver, who he always has my favorite donations because he sends them in and says, split them three ways between grumpy old Ben's, random thoughts, and the rock and roll pre-show. So what that says to me is Pembroke gets next to nothing. And that's yeah, my favorite yeah. donation. 
I, I, I'm, I'm, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm going to hold my dissatisfaction because I am getting something. So <laughs> he I'm says, just, keep up the fantastic shows rock on. And of course, but, but if, if you're going to go ahead and specify splits like that, then, then the other good one is specify this donation goes entirely to Bemrose. <laughs> that would be for the Ryan solo podcast which is called invisible thoughts or something like that. Yeah, It's, it's called uh, me every time I'm not sitting at this microphone. The, I thought, I mean, I was kind of thinking at some point now that you had the professional microphone that the Bemrose boys podcast would become a thing. I mean, we know, you know, oh, how to I've record. been trying. Come on, Bemlet. Get, get recording the, the stories, the, the beauty of what could come out of that. Some brotherly love, some fighting, whatever. It would be great content. I mean, it would be content. So, I mean, either way, I, and all content that we generate is great. We know that. Yes. We're also humble. It's very much so. Very much so. Uh, coming in at 333, the magic, magic number, Lauren, L-O-R-A-N. And coming in with a $1.65, Jeremy Gertis, who is, uh, what was it? I forget his name now on uh, No Agenda Social, but we've been chatting back and forth because Jeremy is the man of the 33 cent check and five more of them have come in to equal a dollar 65 and they, they come in with other checks. It's, I mean, I don't understand how all the, I guess there's a central bank or service for a lot of the online bill pay stuff, which is something I'm learning just because of taking the checks for grumpy old Ben's that they often come in the same envelope and they're not from the same bank. So there must be like clearing yeah. houses that, that you know well, do it's, this. it's uh it, it's microservices they they contract out to another company who specializes in nothing but the bill pay system i it, it makes sense but right up until the the central point of failure does the the central point of failing yes and they're all going why is this guy sending 33 cent checks every day because he can well, he, he, he's gonna have to keep it up for a little while longer before it comes to the attention <laughs> of any human yes. right now the ais are you know what those 33 cent checks are being used as a training data set for an ai somewhere who is now going to have normalized the idea that people just send 33 cent checks all over the place yeah now i'm thinking if the ai gets really upset it might just drop the uh might drop the period might drop the uh <laughs> like as long as it doesn't start talking like anthony bourdain well it might the ai could that's how you get them back at like are we sending it he's sending daily checks let's change that 33 cents to 33 bucks and then let's see how funny he thinks it is <laughs> you know what just add a few zeros to everything it's all good <laughs> well yeah yeah as long, as long as the amount is there in the checking account and it's not like wait i, was, I wanted to buy food today uh why won't it let me and uh that's a problem that is a problem but hey as we know a lot of the millennials today are living paycheck to paycheck, even the ones that make over a hundred thousand, which it's like, learn how to save your money, kids. But I digress. So go Germany. Yeah. Go Germany. And thank you to uh, everybody for supporting the grumpiest yes. podcast in the universe. You always, you always screw up my segues by completing your thoughts. Sorry. I'd like to, I'll just try to have more incomplete <laughs> thoughts. Okay. Excellent. Uh, the German Federal Court of Justice, which I believe I think is the highest court in Germany. It's sort of Supreme Court ish. If not, then um, go ahead and fact check Darren on this one. Um, ruled that uh, Facebook's terms of service regarding deletion of posts and blocking accounts are, quote, null and void. And this came from a. Oh, wait, uh, I'm going to stop you. Yes. 
Boobery sent in 1111 with the message challenge accepted. Love is lit.com. So another donation. Thank you, Boobery. Okay. Love is lit.com. Go there. Yes. Yeah. Now. Okay. Um, a, an unnamed, uh, poster ended up getting uh banned from Facebook for, uh, here's, here's the post, what they posted, by the way. And this is what Facebook bans for quote. Migrants can murder and rape here and nobody cares. It's about time the Office for the Protection of the Constitution sorted this out. And that was determined by Facebook to be hate speech. It was also determined by Reuters and just about every other article that I read on this topic to be, well, you know, the irony here is that Germany has laws that that would ban hate speech for this, but Facebook's not allowed. Um, But. The short version is that uh, Facebook banned this guy for saying that uh, I I read it and I'm sitting here going, uh, OK, I, that's not ban worthy, but that's me. I, I certainly wouldn't. Uh, Facebook's the terms of service are uh, regarding deleting posts and blocking accounts are null and void in Germany, according to this uh, this court, because Facebook does not inform the user of a takedown or a block because Facebook does not give a reason for the takedown or block and they don't offer a mechanism for appeal. Uh, everything about this feels like common sense sneaking back into the world. And that's why I like to bring a feel good story here. Uh, go Germany on this one. Uh, we have had, we have put up way too long with Silicon Valley companies deciding to be a judge, jury and censor. And having not only no accountability, but no appeals process, no need to inform you. They just click on something in the database and you're suddenly persona non grata on the Internet. Well, this is why the Trump lawsuit is very interesting, and it's going to take a long time for it to make it through the courts. But I think it will make it through the courts and there will be a decision, at least here in the United States. I don't know how that affects anything worldwide, but as far as how these companies can treat people with the banning and I mean, there's a big difference between banning speech that is calling for violence. And there are some people on Twitter that they don't care that they do that, you know, coming out of Iran, stuff like that, where, yeah, you know, they're straight this, out calling for violence. And I get this, that this line that I read, though, doesn't call for violence. In fact, the only call is the Office for the Protection of the Constitution should sort this out. Right. No. And whatever I, that means. And that should not be able to be, uh, you know, silenced. I mean, there are certain things I think we can agree that social media or any media, they should have some leeway because you can't go in the one direction, which is no matter what anybody posts, you can't take it down. I mean, no, there's a certain amount of things that you're like, this is not for polite company. You don't want to see, you know, certain photographs, certain, you know, video. Like, I I get it. But when you're there's there's a lot of photographs out there. I don't want to see like there was this one that it was a mock up or a a list of a bunch of Antifa members. I didn't want to see that. No. And uh, the reality is you shouldn't be able to silence somebody for just saying something that is not obscene that you don't like that is questioning what the you know going science currently happens to be or whatever it is people should be allowed to have a certain amount of debate there was a thing and i'm i'm blanking on what state it was in but there was a woman 
who in the yard of her house had a bunch of anti-Biden signs and it made some national news because a lot of the signs were, you know, F Biden and, uh, you know, the language, it was very Bembrose-esque. And I, I, I like this person already. And the, uh, you know, the argument then became, you know, is this simply free speech? And the courts in this case said, yes. Now, good. What the, you know, homeowners may be around there. And I mean, now, if you're a parent that, you know, has kids that are five years old and you live across the street, you don't want them going out of the house going, mommy, what does fuck Biden mean? You know, and so I understand that in public, there's, you know, should be some kind of more, you know, decorum around this kind of stuff. But the and I, I agree there should be decorum. I disagree that people with guns should be enforcing it. And I know that's a weird position to take, but. Well, yeah, people should just not be dicks is kind of what it comes yeah, that, down that to. People should not be dicks, I think, is is probably the best way to do it. And Once it, upon a time, people were taught not to be dicks as part of their uh, education when they were children. And now, you know, we, we've taken religion out of the family and then we're taking the family out of the kid and then we're filling them with leftist indoctrination in school. And there's really no room for things like manners anymore. Oh, exactly. There's no question. And this is when it comes to social media, it's always been, well, you know, you could just go somewhere else. But that's not really the case. And we've talked about why, including things like Parler getting bounced off of the Play stores from Apple and Google. So the concept that you could just create a uh, a service that competes and people can all go there. It's it's a nice pie in the sky concept. but. The reality is these Facebooks and Twitters and and companies like that are acting as the public square. So there has to be some kind of protection if you're going to operate a company like that in certain areas, you know, like the United States where they can make a law. I don't know if it's going to, but Florida obviously is doing it. But if they make a law that says, as Poland did, we talked about that months ago, Poland said, if it's legal speech, outside on the street here in Poland and one of our citizens posts that on Facebook or Twitter and you ban them because of that, they will go after Facebook or Twitter and find them for taking that post down. And the United States can do that. If it comes to that, they can say, Hey, Twitter, if this is a, this is a free speech issue, you want to do business here, then you have to allow people to speak. And uh, I don't know if this is going to happen. It may if the House and the Senate both turn Republican. Uh, But this then, of course, over the next three years, you still have to get through a presidential veto. So I don't know if anything's going to be done here within the next three years, but it's definitely on the table. It could happen. And this is the concept that we talked about. What was it about in the last show where the the guy saying, you know, um, this is all great until the other side is in control and then they're going to use this against you. Don't you get it? Yes. And I I have seen that sentiment from some of the more level-headed leftists out there who are saying things like, are you sure you want to create this new system that the next Republican president is going to abuse? Yes. And I'm sitting here going, absolutely. The next Republican president will abuse and the next Democrat one after that will too. But the more immediate problem is that the current president is, will try to abuse it. Everyone abuses it. You, uh, you don't solve 
partisan problems by giving more power to your guy because your guy won't be in later and that power will still be there. That's the problem we had with the executive orders. No, the way that you solve most problems created by government is not by adding more government. It's by taking away government. Not that people are capable of that these days. Exactly. And in the, uh, in the donation segment that never ends. I mean, you asked, Oh my gosh. Net Ned says the donation segment that never ends coming in with some Bitcoin. At uh, $5 and one cent, it came in. I mean, Bitcoin must be doing good. And we thank you, NetNet, and our buddy, Sir Omaha, coming in with 3333. Oh, my. Wow. Okay. So this is a brand new concept. Just taking money. Oh, this, is this okay. a telethon I, now? I, or this no, I, I totally applaud more money coming in, but maybe we could do a show. <laughs> now, wait, now, are you complaining now that there's too much money coming okay, in? For, first of all, let's back up and, and, and reevaluate the format of the show. When have I not complained about something? True. True. Just uh, just flowing on in. Just flowing on in. And we appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Ryan's just like, uh, this is how they get me to shut up. They just keep sending money. They're like, make Bemro stop ranting. Here's okay. Sir Omaha's like, I, give me a refund. Nope. No, I'll just, I'll refund half. I'll, re- I'll refund you Bemrose's half. And uh, I've got a quick, a, a quick informal study about tutorials and security holes. Okay. Tell me about a quick informal study. Uh, this was just a random find on Hacker News this morning. And I, I thought it was interesting, but uh, there was somebody who uh, a, a taking a dare from a Hacker News thread uh, decided to go out and Google for uh, the quote, PHP MySQL email register, which is uh, trying to, you know, putting P- PHP code to register an email with MySQL. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, uh, but the results were a lot of tutorials and code snippets for how to do this in PHP. Um, he then took the 30 sites that were all returned and had various tutorials, snippets of code, et cetera, and analyzed the code that was presented and determined that of the 30 sites that presented PHP code for here is how you register an email in MySQL. Uh, 16 of them contain SQL injection vulnerabilities. <laughs> Ah, nice. And, and this is things like, uh, you know, if, if you say, if you take a string and you build your string, select star from users where email equal, and then you put the string that the user generated in, then there is a, a well-known attack called a SQL injection vulnerability where uh, a specially crafted string can terminate your, your internal string in the SQL query and then issue additional SQL commands. And, um, you know, one of my favorite, uh, examples of this is, uh, an XKCD comic called exploits of a mom where, uh, in, in the comic, uh, the, the, the comic is, uh, you know, we're having a computer trouble at your son's school. Oh, did he break something? Did you really name your son Robert single quote parentheses drop table students? (laughs) No. And she says, Oh yes. Little Bobby tables. We call him. (laughs) And this the, the person on the other side of the phone says, well, I hope you're happy. We've lost this year's student records. And the mom says, well, I hope you've learned to sanitize your database inputs. That is so nerdy. That is anyway. Beyond. Yeah. So the, the, the gist of this is that on a dare, somebody went and analyzed the code that you get. If you Google, how do I do this in PHP? 
and realized that more than 50% of the tutorials and example code out there contained this most obvious of vulnerabilities. And so I guess the, uh, the, uh, the, the moral of this story is if you are writing code, um, don't just grab whatever code you found in a Google result and slap it on your website, or you're probably going to be vulnerable. So yet another way that the nefarious actors are trying to get bad code onto your system. Uh, maybe that's it. Maybe this is coordinated. Maybe it's intentional. Maybe Google is trying to destroy all of their competition so that when Google has a breach, it doesn't look as bad. Could be. And I love at the top of the XKCD page that you just sent with that comic that there is a little stick figure at the top saying Black Lives Matter. I mean, of oh, course. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, the, the author of that comic, uh, he went fully woke. In fact, the, the point where I think I find, you know, I, I was noticing more and more, uh, woke, uh, comics coming out and a lot of them where he would just do a comic that had no humor. It was just him spewing his political. And it was the point at which, uh, Randall Monroe is his name. Uh, and he is really geeky and really smart and, uh, does some great stuff when he's doing humor that's geeky. But um, I, I stopped reading it on a daily basis in 2016 when he put up a comic that was nothing more than it said, I'm with her. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, that has no business at all being in your in your comic. But little did I know that it was just a precursor to four years later when everybody in the world was going to start putting Black Lives Matter and political statements in places that politics had no business being like Minecraft. You know, and the and the the words themselves, and I think we have to just mention this because I know some people miss certain things. Black Lives Matter Global, the actual organization, is a Marxist organization. They say they're a Marxist organization and they want some very bad things for society. Yeah, my favorite is they they want to dissolve the nuclear family. Yes. Because somehow Somehow having both a mother and a father and a, in a loving home relationship is somehow racist. Yes, it's so unfair. It's so racist. Now, the, the term Black Lives Matter, not attached from that. Yeah, everybody can get behind that. So this is the greatest way to it, name an organization. It's not a particularly controversial statement. It is a highly controversial organization. Yes. Well, and it becomes a very controversial statement if you say all lives matter, if you say white lives matter, if you say cop lives matter. Then you're a hateful person, even though you're like, hey, I agree. Black lives matter. But also this Lee's lives matter. That That's that's racist, too, according to these folks. So, you know, it's an interesting uh, an interesting conundrum. Be aware that a lot of really big companies and corporations threw millions of dollars to the Black Lives Matter organization. And I've seen multiple stories which just warm my heart, which are the people that run the chapters of Black Lives Matter in a lot of areas who aren't attached to the main three women, which is in probably yeah, like more 90- importantly, aren't getting any of those donation dollars. Yes, they're getting nothing. They're like, where's all the money? Why, like when not when from- you, <laughs> you when when you know everybody went out and and every single person donated their ten dollars to BLM. OK, none of that money went to help a single black person except for the people running black lives matter organization right none of it went to the local chapters none of it not not one black neighborhood was improved in any way no black children were helped with school supplies no none of that money went anywhere but the pockets of the people at the top of the organization 
Yes. And this way should to be, go, people. Yeah. This should be a wake up call that if you want to do something that can actually make positive change in the world, start locally. Don't send your money to some yahoos somewhere way across the world, somewhere way across some the country. Some people want to send blankets and water. Well, <laughs> you should just send your cash. But to somebody that you trust is actually going to do good with it. And most of the time, you can stay local and find an organization that's doing good work and stay local. It could be for a variety of things, whatever you want, make it, you know, your cause can be all sorts of different things. My mom's cousin loved animals. And when she passed away, we had, you know, all of the stuff from her house, which even if you don't have a lot of stuff, it is like a full box truck. We boxed everything up because it was all in good condition. And she had a bunch of collectibles like old dolls and stuff like that. And we let, you know, the local between the local animal, uh, there's an animal rescue that have a little resale shop. And there was another shop from uh, one of the Catholic schools. Just split them up, send them to those places. And, uh, you know, support local is the point I'm just trying to make rather than like, yeah, send money to black lives matter in Washington, DC. It's like, no, start unless you're in Washington, DC, then go see what they're actually doing with the money before you give it to them. I think it's funny. One, one of our big charities here is, uh, uh, is the Everett animal shelter. Uh, who always needs donations for the purpose of feeding all the animals that get dropped off there. Well, this does um, seem to be another epidemic. I mean, all of a sudden we're seeing the stories that because of COVID, because of people being out of work, not having enough money, that there is a, a rampant amount of pets being abandoned and brought into shelters, which is, yeah, which, which tells me there's a rampant amount of really crappy humans out there. <laughs> I think we knew that <laughs> we were pretty well aware. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I mean, Hey, Find a place you can help and and do that. It, it makes more sense. What else we got? Uh, let's see. I got uh, I got a Google Maps hack in Berlin. It's not a new story. This happened in February 2020, uh, but it fascinated me. Um, a dude uh, went and rented 99 Android phones with Sims and put them in a, a little wagon like the, you know, just a, a Red Rider toy wagon. Um, and then pulled the wagon down the streets of Berlin, uh, and Google Maps immediately showed a traffic jam there and routed everybody <laughs> who used Google Maps around that location. So he, he was at rush hour pulling a wagon down the middle of the street in Berlin where there was almost very little traffic because everybody is routing using Google Maps. <laughs> What's, was, but yeah, but that was it with through ways or was this Google Maps is just taking this data now? Google Maps takes the location data broadcast by if it, by default, your phone is sending your location to Google all the time. I, I think at least that was the impression I had. And uh, you might I think you have to install or log into Google Maps on the phone or something like that. But but once you have reached a point where you are a Google Maps user, your location is sent to Google and they use that in aggregate to determine where traffic is. It's one of the big ways that. Google maps is capable of having all these traffic maps and everything is, is they, you know, they're not counting cars. They're counting how many Android phones are in an area. And so this guy, uh, Simon Weckert managed to create a traffic jam in Google maps by hauling a wagon full of phones down the street. Genius. (laughs) That is absolutely, no, that is, that is a great life hack. You don't want a lot of traffic on your block for your party. Just yeah. do this. Okay. 
You you want you want Google Maps to route everybody around your local street because you're tired of them cutting through your neighborhood? Yeah. Go get a bunch of Android phones. You know, I mean, the interesting thing is if you're relying, I mean, the GPS on these phones is usually pretty damn accurate. I've noticed on the iPhone, it'll actually give you the address where the phone is now. And it's sometimes it's like one of the houses like right around us, but it's close enough to or it's one of it's either our house or the one and you know right behind or right next to on either side. But if you've got a hundred phones in I, one I got wagon, admit, that, that is information I'm not entirely comfortable with advertisers or or uh, uh, pretty much anyone on the internet having. Yeah, welcome to GPS. But if you have a hundred of those in the same wagon, I mean, do they think they're just really small cars? I, I, I yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, there. I mean, I would be reporting a pileup at that point because it's like I, we got a hundred I mean, cars on top was, of each other. This story was. This story was from February of 2020, and in the last 15 months, uh, it is quite possible that Google has tweaked their algorithm to be like, well, it turns out that, you know, there's not a traffic jam here. It's just one clown car. Yes, that uh, these phones are all moving at the same speed in the same area at the, you know, yeah, that would make more sense. But if you're not looking for it, yeah, I could see easily that that could get through the first time. And there are some great, great hacking ability that you can do with this kind of information. Yes, uh, I've got I've got some bad news or, or disappointing to new news to like the three people who still care. Um, Intel has stopped shipping the Itanium. Is that bad? Oh, well, <laughs> no, not, I don't think honestly, nobody cared. Do you know what the Itanium is? Wasn't that like one of the Quick. Pentium chips? Wasn't that the- it, it was it was actually I think it was the first architecture of a 64 bit processor. Uh, it, it was invented in 1994, but in 94, uh, 32 bits was enough for anybody and it never really took off. It, it was adopted by a few mainframe companies. Um, and, uh, then eventually app developers who did not want to completely rebuild because, uh, Itanium was a, uh, risk architecture reduced instruction set. So it was completely incompatible with x86, uh, there were a lot of app developers who wanted uh, a Pentium compatible or an x86 compatible 64 bit processor, but Intel refused to work on it because they did not want to cannibalize the itanium. Um, I eventually, you know, three AMD launched their Opteron processor, which was the first implementation of the AMD 64 instruction set, which as you re- may recall is backward compatible with thir- the 32 bit x86. Uh, it took off like wildfire. Eventually, Intel capitulated and started making CPUs using the AMD 64 instruction set. Um, the last my uh, Itanium mainframes were delivered or by HP in 2015. Intel was contractually obligated to continue for a few more years making them, but they have finally stopped manufacturing the Itanium. Um, this, by the way, the Itaniums, the late, latest ones off the line were 32 nanometer process when all other processors are using 10, 7, or 5. So uh, just pour one out a little bit for a completely failed processor that nonetheless lasted 27 years. Yes, none of this I know, but I can tell you. Executive producer on this episode, Cold Acid, says it wasn't the first. Alpha existed before that, and I'm pretty sure it didn't get released until 1998. So, well, you got a fact check because he's the executive producer of this episode. <laughs> so okay. when he when he fact checks, I'm listening. 
Okay, well, in that case, I'll give you something you can't fact check, which is my personal anecdotes about the Atenium. Because uh, when you are developing an operating system, you have to develop for multiple architectures. And believe it or not, we shipped a version of Windows Vista for Itanium. And that meant that we had to test on Itanium. And so uh, there were, amongst the testing group, there were a handful of uh, what we actually called Itanix because they crashed a lot. <laughs> Itanix. Uh, See, that's genius too. Yeah. Though, actually, the article I got this from, was uh, the, the headline of that was, the Itanix has sunk. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, not, they're not letting that one go, huh? So the uh, the ones that were available for test was this HP server thing that it it what it looked like was, you know, those those radiators that are attached to the central boiler in a building. Yes, it looked like that, but kind of on wheels. It was about uh, two and a half, three feet tall. And, and like, imagine if you take two or three full tower cases, it, it was huge. And more importantly, the Itanic had such a power hungry processor that when you were testing your office would go up about eight degrees in, in temperature. Um, these things were a pain in the butt. The risk instruction set never had a good debugger for them. Intel supplied one, but it was, it was command line. It was incomplete. Uh, it didn't handle the PDBs from our compiler very well. And so, if you were testing on Windows Vista, you kind of hated these things. And even more, you hated being the one whose office the stupid thing needed to be in because you needed to invest in fans. Unless cool it was down. winter and you're like, wow, it's nice and warm in here. Yeah. Or uh, now uh, the the best thing to do and the thing that we used to do was uh, every once in a while, we'd, we'd take the titanium and we'd wheel it into the office. I don't know if I've told this story, but but the the HVAC. In the offices in the buildings we were in were all clustered. Uh, every six offices had one thermostat between them, and it was always in one of the offices. So one in six people had a thermostat in their office. And if you wheeled that titanium into the person who into the office of the person who had the thermostat, the rest of the people around were nice and comfy. <laughs> hey, whatever works. Whatever works. Oh my God, cold acid. You can stop talking about your knowledge of a completely useless piece of hardware. <laughs> but he knows, he knows, he knows. And in the donation yes, segment. And, and, and that and a, a large donation to Rare Encounter will get you a cup of coffee or a cider. And in the donation segment, that's just not ending. And we need to, uh, we need to uh, stop this really? concept. Are we, are we really? <laughs> Darian Rundle comes in with 10 bucks and he's come in a few times before. Says, listening to you guys talk about the music industry is like you guys being forced to sit down and listen to me talk about pewters, and I don't know much about no pewters. <laughs> he says, send some positive vibes for my part 107 cert test. So uh, can you send him some positive vibes for his uh, cert test? Yes. Yes. Pos- positive vibes. Ooh, hum- I don't know what the hell that was. I don't know either. But- I, I'm not convinced those vibes were good. You might check the expiration date on those vibes. They're probably going to be cut in, uh, in into a soundboard, and you'll hear that multiple times now moving forward. The positive vibes. Yeah, good luck. I mean, those cert tests, you just you got to do them if you want the certs. That's how you, yes. they pay you the money. They're, it doesn't really matter if you know what you're doing. It's just all about passing the test. Like, do you have the certification? Cool. 
And you could just suck at it. So just cheat on the test. Oh, the certifications are almost entirely useless. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, well, we won't hire you to do X, Y, and Z unless you have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a checkbox. It's a filter. It's a, 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 a Boolean that gets you past HR so you can talk to somebody in engineering. Who might know what they're talking about. Well, you hope. They might. They yeah, might by the not. way, if you interview with somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about, you don't want to work there. <laughs> yeah. Or you do. I mean, it depends on your concept of working. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you realize they're totally ignorant of everything well, they're I, hiring I, I you know, for. I know I, I espouse the naive ideals of wanting to create a quality product. Uh, that That's probably not universal. No, probably not. Probably not. And uh, I mean, speaking of said product, should we talk about Siphon? Should we? Yeah, I think so. I mean, DC girl brought this up. This, is this how you steal gas from people's tanks? Kind of. It's spelled differently, though, because it's a tech company. So it's. Oh, so of course it's like S-E-U-I or no. P- it's probably S-Y. P-S-I-P-H-O-N. Oh, oh okay. Yep. <laughs> it's like they don't know how to spell. Yeah, that's. See, I appreciate when Silicon Valley companies do stuff like this because it makes me feel better about having a difficult to spell na- uh, name like Grumpy Old Ben's. Exactly. And. Where this came from was an interview that was on WNYC and PRX in collaboration with WGBH Radio in Boston, which means basically this is a NPR type of thing. And listening to this audio, thank you, DC Girl, because it makes me appreciate all of the podcasts that I listen to. Which oh, are you got play bad audio on this show? Well, it's just it's just the way they speak. It is very not natural the way they speak. The audio quality was fine. But no, they don't even swear. It's that just pretentious. Not natural. Yeah, it's well, it's the it's that very pretentious way of speaking that, you know, maybe some people speak like that in private with their friends, but I've never run into anybody. Um, but this concept was he's got a company and I did a little bit of research on Siphon because they're another one of these companies where when you read what they're doing, it's kind of like the Freedom Phone, which is a lot of stuff is promised, but a lot of it doesn't seem to uh to make sense and the concept was how do people like the people in cuba right now how do they get access to the internet when the government that you'd live under is trying to block certain sites from you trying to block whatever it is you're trying to get onto on the internet what do you use to get around that now we've talked a lot about vpns and rightfully so because in most areas as long as VPNs aren't outlawed, because there are certain areas where it's not hard to figure out the servers that most VPNs use. So there are countries that do nothing but block VPNs. There are some third, just normal websites that you can go to. I run into them every now and then. And that's actually seemingly seeming to be more frequent now when I'm on NordVPN to run into a website that just simply won't load. I get a variety of errors. The website simply won't load. You drop the VPN connection and it loads right up. There's other ones. This is like me with JavaScript disabled. Kind of, you know, and there's also some that I've run into that are like, well, no, you're on a VPN. So we we're taking our ball and going home. And I mean, that's within their rights, but this is the concept of it's a cat and mouse game. Uh, If you are. And and by the way, a a quick, hint a categorization for websites like that are called sites you probably don't need to visit yes i mean you quickly move on to a different site that has the same type of thing uh you know they're talking about how this worked in cuba 
And the guy from Siphon says, you know, in the Cuban example, internet measurement researchers determined. I mean, that's an interesting job. Internet. What is an internet measurement researcher? researcher? I don't know. How do you get that job title? That's something you probably want, though, because it probably pays better than podcaster. I don't know. It used to be just called SEO. Uh huh. It says they determined, though, that the Cuban sensors were blocking the messaging apps through something called a TPC, TCP, sorry, reset packet that was injected during the TLS handshake. A simplified explanation is that encrypted connections taking place over the Internet, they do require a part of that transaction to happen in the clear. And they go on to kind of mention how this works and how their system, they say, disrupts it. But it's. I mean, that sounds like a DOS. It, it sounds like a, a man in the middle uh, just screwing with the protocol, you know, and what they're doing is because, you know, the government's looking for that. They're they use a variety of technologies, VPN, SSH, uh, web proxies. And this is all I mean, on the good side, they have open source software, which is what their free version is. They have paid versions, which it's like, I don't know, do you use the same software? It just maybe takes away the limitation of the free one, which is two megabits per second. So it's not, not for streaming, you know, Netflix. But then again, if you're just in Cuba trying to message somebody, you don't need the high speed. Uh, bandwidth. I mean, when, when you're, uh, when you're suffering under socialism and, and your primary concern is, are we going to have food and shelter for the night? Uh, Netflix is not the top priority. Being able to coordinate with the other, Six million people who are all really annoyed at the government and about to protest the Capitol. That's more useful. You would think you would think. But I mean, hey, oh, there's a lot of people here who want socialism. And I still say go to Cuba. Um, yeah. Can can we just export them to somewhere in the ocean? If they happen to land on Cuba, that's fine. But if they can swim. Yeah. The uh, like, let's let's put them all on a ship and just send them out in the ocean. And like and you don't need to return ever. <laughs> Well, you like socialism. Go, go enjoy Cuba. Yeah. Go, go. You know what? Go to, I will donate a cruise ship. Go. Wait, everybody wants socialism ship? on the ship. I might, I, I, I might know where to get one. Ben Rose knows how to hot wire. A, <laughs> this, this, what was the, the love boat, like the Pacific princess or something like that. You know, let's, uh, I can hot wire that. I can, I can get us going. Um, so I was interested in what siphon was doing. And I like that. Their software is open source because if, if that is true and it appears to be, I, I, I like that part. Yes. People can see what it's doing, but I found a review of it on tech radar who gave it two stars saying for uh, it's free plan. Uh, you know, no registration required and it can bypass some firewalls. Others can't. So that's a plus against really slow, expensive commercial plan, annoying ads. And uses SSH rather than VPN protocol. So, I mean, it's if you're in an area that VPNs are, aren't working, you might yeah, want to check this out. If people are blocking the VPN protocol, then maybe we go to something that's working. Yes. I, which I, makes I'm sense. I'm not going to consider it a minus for somebody to be using a protocol that works when the one that you're supposed to be using doesn't. I would agree. And, you know, it's if you're in an area that you have to really work to be able to access the outside world, then this could be a really good thing. I do always worry, and I don't not saying it's the case here, but just like with the Freedom Phone, there's a lot of people would be like, well, that's this would be like the ultimate honeypot, which if it is open source software, that's where everybody has to like look at it and see what's inside of it, and you know where your traffic's actually being routed to. 
I think we're in we're in progress. We are seeing. I don't know if this is even the beginning. But we are seeing the internet start to just transform into two internets: the the corporate one and the free and open one. Kind of. Well, then don't forget the dark web, which a lot of people still have. And this is something that yes. I don't think. I mean, sorry, people- I, I got distracted. My wife just walked into the room, grabbed a bottle of sake, and took a big chug. Well, that's not a bad way. It must to have go. been that kind of day. <laughs> so you get a bad call on the from work, and it's like that. I would just leave the bottle on the desk. I mean, walking upstairs, you know, takes a lot more yeah. effort. Yeah. Why? Why wasn't the bottle just there? Probably because camera. Yeah. For that. Yeah. It depends <laughs> who can see you now. If you could, you know, these these uh, systems now could do a whole lot. I mean, if they can put like mouse ears or whatever on somebody while they're talking on the chat. Can't they change the bottle of sake? It'll just look like a bottle of Coca-Cola or something like, nope, just having a drink. <laughs> See, now there's a plug-in that can make you money on Zoom. Well, what, do you even need tech, a technical? Can't you just like take the, the label off a Coke bottle and slap it over the bottle of wine? Yeah. Be like, yep, yep, this is the new style of bottle of Coke. So you could pour anything you want into a used soda can, too. So, I mean, yes. there's, there's also that. Nobody yes, knows. I, uh, my my favorite technique is was cracking open a can of Coke taking about two sips out and then filling it back up to the top with whiskey. Yeah. Like this is, this is the formula they should have had. It's your mixed drink right there. But I mean, a lot of people, I think some people listening to grumpy old Ben's know how to get on the dark web, but I don't think most people do because it's not something that it just comes natural. I don't know if a lot of people realize there's a whole nother uh, network out there that you can access using certain software. And uh, I mean, I, I would say I would think more and more. I'm kind of surprised, except for the fact that it would take a lot of work, I guess, to teach people how to do it. But for these folks at like Parlor and that, I mean, if you really wanted to be off the grid, away from the prying eyes and being able to be shut down, you know, the dark web may be where you want to be. I mean, be. that sounds like an idea for a tutorial. It could be. I mean, we, we could do a tutorial and then we put it up on YouTube for the 30 seconds that it lasts before it's canceled. Right. This is and, dangerous material. You know, Make sure that when, it, because it's a tutorial, make sure it has plenty of code with, uh, with vulnerabilities in it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> as I have no name says, the Brave browser does have a thing built in for Tor and how to get, get onto the dark web. And uh, it's all interesting stuff. But the more you know, the better it is. So, I mean, I'm not going to blast this uh, siphon software or the concept. No, it sounds interesting. But, uh, you know, the more worrying I mean, problem should be. Th- th- does it fill a need? Then then awesome. <laughs> yes. And I mean, hey, again, for the people that are when you should be a little worried that we've got people elected to office here in the United States, including AOC and Alan uh, Omar, who are applauding what's going on in Cuba from you know the side of the commies. And then you're hearing people talk on NPR about how horrible it is because they can't even communicate with the outside world. How do these two worlds go together? I don't really understand it, but um, uh, not not easily. No. And you understand this is this is what you get under communism. It's like, no, you can't go to that website. But wait, this is what they're trying to do here because they're just going to label anything they don't want you to go to as a white supremacist site or a dangerous site or a hate group. If you dare disagree with the government, it's going to be a hate group. People don't get it. And I know we talked about this on one of the earlier grumpy old bands but i remember mentioning the girl that was on a louder with crowder where he was doing one of his change my mind things and they were talking about free speech 
And she said she was from Germany. And he's like, well, you don't have free speech. And she's like, yes, we do. I mean, I, I still can't forget that, that he's like, well, can you say this and this and this about Hitler? Well, no, she laughs. He's like, then you don't have free speech. Yeah, well, I, I, that's kind of my philosophy, where uh, as far as I'm concerned, freedom of speech is a Boolean. Either you can say what you want or you have to self-censor. There's no middle ground in between those. Yeah. And people, I mean, can they can judge you in any way they want. They can block you. They can stop talking to you if you say things that are so offensive. But I would rather have that than be like, well, no, we're just I, kicking this person totally off. I, of I, a, I, I sometimes I feel the Internet has has done a lot of damage to our society, because before the Internet, if you said something really offensive, you'd get punched in the face and then you'd start. I mean, that's negative feedback like, oh, maybe this wasn't socially acceptable. And if people generally worked out what you should and shouldn't say that way without any government invent- intervention. Yeah. But I mean, maybe people like getting punched in the face. Yeah, well, that that's the problem with the Internet is that social media and instant long distance online communication has trained the public, had trained people that it is OK now to be completely disrespectful to somebody with no consequences. Because why? I mean, what what are you going to do it, I, if. If I decide that you're a total dick and I tell everybody that you can't slap me in person, except that the vast majority of the people also that are total dicks on the Internet aren't using their real name. So that's also an issue. That is a problem. You know, you but can't I, hold them I feel like this is part of where cancel culture came from is an overreaction to the anonymity culture yes. where you can. You can disrespect people without consequences. Cancel culture as well. We're going to invent some consequences. And they, of course, went overboard. When you have consequences, you want to be able to get, you know, you have to be able to enforce. Although I don't know how they're getting rid of all the police, except for all these cities that have gotten rid of the police and crime is surging. You're seeing a lot of police. We've got Facebook telling us what we can and can't say. Yeah. A lot of these cities now, do you notice they're they're crying for more police? (laughs) Who didn't see this coming? Eh, Seattle's not there yet. You'll get there. You will get there. I mean, I hear your crime rate is going through the roof. I mean, you're not quite getting to Chicago levels, but you will. If you keep trying, you can I, get there. I'm not trying. I'm not involved in this. I, I don't feel like being that statistic. Yeah. Because, I, you know, even if I know that the cops are probably not going to catch me, I it, I I don't know. I It's this whole ethics and morality thing that I've been cursed with. They're trying to get rid of that, too, man. Yeah, it's it's working in a lot of places. You got anything else or should we should we release uh, the trolls? I, I I don't know if it's important. I've got a I've got a survey of work from home spaces, which has some interesting statistics about how incredibly lazy Americans are. <laughs> OK, let's uh, I, I think my guess would be I, they're very, very lazy. Um. So uh, an organization called Craft Jack surveyed uh, one thousand five hundred twenty Americans who were working remotely. Uh, during the week of June 16th through 25th. And who is Kraft Jacks? Hell if I know. And this is Bill O'Reilly would ask how many Republicans, how many Democrats? What is the uh, what is the breakdown of who they talk to? Uh, the only breakdown they gave was they gave gender. It was uh, 30, no, 52 percent male and 48 percent female. So obviously a sexist group. Obviously, yes. Yeah. Um, They uh, they did. They gave ages, but the median age was 37 and they said 18 to 71 or something like that. People working from home. 
See, but these are actually people that are working. I mean, allegedly, they have they have yeah. jobs and they're at home and they're the, getting the, paid. Yeah, these are presumably people who are doing remote work jobs oh, from God. home. Yeah. And the questions were all about what kind of space have you created in your home for the purpose of of working from home? Um, and uh, so the only bit of good news in here is that 91 percent of people reported that they have invested in something to improve their space for work at home. However, 57 percent of those were buy a new chair. Well, the chairs are important. Fifty one percent bought a new desk. 42% bought a headset, 35% bought a monitor stand, 35% bought a keyboard, 30% plants, uh, webcam, Marijuana. art, 12% <laughs> bought a ring light. Yeah, I've got a ring light. I've rarely used uh, it. I don't, so I'm clearly not in the 12%. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, uh, some of the more interesting uh, things, uh, 71% of the people surveyed are in, quote, improvised workspaces, so not workspaces dedicated to being a home office. Well, I mean, most uh, houses aren't set up. I mean, I've no, always I, had an office, but for most people, they're sitting at the dining room table or something. I mean, I, 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 I think this is technically an improvised workspace. I'm sitting at a desk. There is no dining room table right here, but I am in the room that architecturally is the dining room. And uh, yes, net net alcohol counts as long as you consume it during the workday. That's a yes, work that is that is important yes. for working at home. Yes. Uh, 32% of people are in an office. That is the largest office means usually like extra bedroom or, or a room that is supposed to be dedicated to be an office. So that's at least that being the largest segment is good. 31%, almost as many are in their bedroom. 23% are in their family or living room. 9% are in the kitchen. 5% are in the basement. So you are, <laughs> you are again bucking the trends here. Yeah. Uh, 45% of them work from a couch, 38% work from a bed. No, uh, 67%, 67% have admitted to having worked from in bed, not just sitting on it. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're at in a very once. boring zoom meeting, uh, you just do tubing it. I, I would 20% work outdoors, uh, 19% work in a closet. They're not coming out of that. Um, 69% admit to having had uninvited guests on camera. 43% of those are pets. 37% are children. 34% are partners. What percentage uh, are the people you're cheating on your spouse with who didn't? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that counts as partners or not. That's true. So the, uh, the article doesn't go too far into this, but the thing that, uh, it, it, the, the consequences of the bad habits being generated here, aside from unprofessionalism, uh, which is uh, apparently the the standards are going down and down and down. Um, they also had some statistics on what people use as the background of their Zoom calls. Uh, a lot, a lot of people have bookcases or plants behind them, and others are just relying on the Zoom backgrounds feature. Uh, some of whom are uh, a, a larger percent are using custom features, but like thirty something had uh, just use one of the default Zoom backgrounds. <laughs> Which to I replace get. a blank wall. Yeah. Okay. Which I get. Um, but uh, the unprofessionalism of uh, of laying in bed while you're trying to get work done uh, impacts productivity. And really? Uh, well, there's <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how much we've encountered so far, but this is if this becomes the norm, we're going to 
uh, we, we've already talked about people who don't want to go back to work, but what about with people who do go back to work, but really want to only do it uh, from in bed with a sake bottle next to them? Right. I mean, I, I mean, there's some productivity problems. And then the other thing that uh, I would point out, because it's one of the main reasons I bought a new chair is a uh, repetitive stress injury. It's a uh, back pain, neck pain from reclining, from sitting in bad posture, uh, shoulder pain. Uh, my problem was my shoulder from trying to use a mouse where I was in the lazy boy and the mouse was too high on the desk. And I, I, Americans are lazy and, and this is going to be a problem. Well, yeah, and a good chair goes a long way. I think I talked about the one that I'm using now. That Even I've a had. bad chair is an improvement. Well, it is, but I've had this one now for over 10 years and they still sell this exact brand and i'm considering although it seems like it's not the uh the cushion itself doesn't seem worn in obviously it's like a memory foam kind of a thing but anything else on it because i did uh break a caster a couple of times that's what i thought bandrew did when he threw the box and the chair went over I'm like did you break a caster because i did that live during a grumpy old benz remember <laughs> you just heard snap and the yeah, chair I do went, remember that and the chair yeah. went out from under me but the company it's like well it's all covered so you just send them an email and they sent me nice. a whole other package of casters. The arms wore out the, you know, the fake leather. So I you know, sent them an email. They sent me new fake arms and they just keep sending parts. The uh, even the uh, what do you call it? The cylinder at the bottom, whatever that's the gas is in there. The yeah. pneumatic thing. Piston. Yeah, that was you know also replaced. I just keep replacing it. So, so what you're saying is you're sitting in the chair of Theseus. Kind of. It just keeps new pieces, new pieces, new pieces. But it, now if I actually want to buy another one, I would buy another one of these chairs because if you need parts, they uh, they get them for you and it's held up really well. And for me, you know, big and tall, when you're six foot six, the regular office chairs, maybe if you weigh like 180 pounds would help. But, you know, that's not me. And I put a lot of wear and tear on the chairs. And this thing is held up. So having a good chair definitely helps. The Zoom backgrounds, I get. I mean, I got the green screen, although I haven't used that. We need to start doing video just so I can use my ring light and my green screen. Because uh, otherwise, you know, behind me on the office cabinet are uh, a three Taylor Wait, Swift calendars. We need, to, we need to do video so that you can use your toys. Right. That makes sense, okay. right? That doesn't make yeah, sense I to you. I mean, everybody right. wants to see you, Ryan Bemrose, on camera. I, yeah, I, they... It's going to be more difficult. I have fewer cats to point the camera at now. Well, you can you can buy more of the cat or get a, you know, get something more interesting, like uh, a really big spider or something. I have those. Oh, see, that's fine. <laughs> They're just not pets. When, or, when you uh, leave the windows open all summer, you you collect new pets. Uh, yeah. That's, do you have not screens in the windows? What do you, how do you yeah, work we up do. there? Because otherwise, that's what happened to us in Ireland with the one time we came back into the room and there was like spiders, spiders everywhere freaked me out man and some of those things were damn big uh, we, we have people in the troll room asking you for what your brand of chair is uh, i'll have to look it up i don't remember it was a, like nothing i would uh you'll, you'll put it in the show notes i could because i think they I, still sell you, them you, at you uh, you, there's no way you'll remember at costco so i'll find it i will find it and uh they're, they're damn good because i i could just go to my email and look it up for the the last oh I, I think i think we might have a side business selling chairs now i think so there, there to, is clearly a demand according to the this survey i gotta see if they're still around because i the one uh, armrest was wearing out and i did email at the beginning of covid and got nothing back but i'm assuming they were one of these companies that went into ah get away we're gonna close and so hopefully they're back now but people are lazy hopefully. and we needed a survey to tell us this and and, and we'll be back on monday we will with more 
exciting news on the combination of technology and politics and lazy American workers. With that said, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac. Rest in power, Growly. And from America's left coast, where humanity is an extremist hate group. I'm Ryan Pemrose. Ooh, we're all going to be deplatformed.